Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I will never lie to you. You have my word on that. As to the timing of the briefings, um, we do plan to do them. Um, I will announce timing of that forthcoming, but we do plan to continue these. Uh, welcome to the to the podium. Uh, a question for you on Project Warp, Warp Speed. Can you give us some more details? Uh, the president said ultimately he's in charge of this project. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 3rd of May, year of our Lord, 2020. Going a day early because going fishing tomorrow. Mama finally wants to get back on the boat. It's been about two years since the wife's gotten on the boat because of her knee, but She's ready for it, so we're going to head out, and I'm flipping the script today. We're going to do Biden up front because we've got some good, we have good material all across this podcast, but I thought Biden was apropos to kind of change it up. Then we're going to do new social media nuggets, and then we'll cover the corona bullshit on the back end, just to kind of make the show a little different because I've listened to mm, probably the last three while I was working in the yard, did a lot of projects, and... uh little stuff I had to get done, a honey-do list, because it was my wife's birthday, so did a lot of ugly jobs I don't like doing, but I did them, and uh, you know, it's a little monotonous, so we're going to flip it around, but I, I could not not start this show, oh, oh, and we're also going to do a review on Bloodline, good God, that's a good show, I, my wife had watched it, and she forced me to watch it the other day, and holy shit, I'm addicted, I woke up this morning at 4 a.m., um, it's 5 a.m. right now. And I literally pushed play on the the remainder of an episode of season one that I had to finish because I'm that addicted to the show. It's really, really good. But anyway, um, so I had to start with the press secretary. It, it, that, that's the new press secretary. And that was from the AP. Uh, comments on it. I honestly don't know, but it, is it formal for a reporter to ask the press secretary to pledge never to lie? It's kind of insulting. Who asked that? AP Jill Colvin to new White House Press Secretary, will you pledge to never lie to us? All new press secretaries dating back to Ron Ziegler have been asked this kind of question on the first day. Narrator, no they haven't. Jennifer Van Lahr, who the hell do these reporters think they are? I won't read the rest of the comments. There's thousands. It is, you know, let's be honest. Does Trump lie? Yeah. Did Obama lie? Yeah. Did Bush W lie? Sure did. Did Clinton lie? Yeah. Did Bush Sr. lie? Yeah. Reagan? Oh, yeah. Even the, the, the light on the mountain guy lied. Every press secretary has lied. How do they lie? Stats. I complain about it on this show all the time. You can make stats fit whatever the fuck you want. Don't make me pull out the boot story again. Matt in Oregon will hang himself if he has to hear the goddamn boot story about how my stores over-ordered boots, and that's why we didn't have boots. People can make stats fit whatever the fuck they want. So, yeah, press secretaries lie. She did get 
a smack pack. So we're going to play that, and then we're going to start with the. This is basically who they're fighting for. Okay, this is who they're fighting for: Biden, a guy who can't even remember how many grandkids he has, and he just sits and nods because he's not listening. He's half comatose. As Megan Rapahoe has said some really shitty shit. So to make sure the soundbite makes sense, press secretary smacking somebody down. And then two random Biden soundbites. Kelly, uh, on that, when the president fired Michael Flynn, uh, he said he was doing so because he had lied to the vice president and he had lied to the FBI. So given all that you've just said, isn't it, all, isn't it still true? Doesn't the president still believe that Michael Flynn lied to Vice President Pence and lied to the FBI? Well, first, let me address that. Vice President Pence is on the record about this. He said um, he's inclined to believe that Flynn did not intentionally mislead him. And I guess I would turn the question on you and just ask, does it trouble you that the FBI said uh, we got to get Flynn to lie? Doesn't that trouble you as a journalist? And not, not only that, as an American citizen. Well, it's certainly something worth reporting. It's not my job Absolutely. to say whether or not it's troubling. But, but, but the bottom line is the president said point blank that Flynn lied to the FBI and to the Vice President. And I'm just asking a very direct question. Does he still believe that Michael Flynn lied to the FBI and lied to the Vice President? And again, I point you to the Vice President's statement that he's inclined to believe that Flynn did not intentionally mislead him. Um, And I'm asking back that all of you in your coverage endeavor to report what is a very scary story when the FBI is saying, let us get someone to lie. I've seen very scant coverage of that. It's a story worth reporting and a story that I hope the American people, if you haven't heard it yet, are getting to hear for the very first time. And we have uh, five, not six grandchildren. We just had a new baby, a little boy. But the six girls, the five girls, and one, uh, four girls and one boy, two of them live about three-quarters of a mile away. And I also feel like we're in this time where we have been given, if you look at it this way, this incredible gift to move forward. It's almost like everything is shut down. Everybody's shut down right now. And how do we move forward with them? It's going to have to look different. There's no going back to pre-COVID. That time doesn't exist. When we start to, you know, lift out of these stay-at-home orders, everything will have to look different. So we're going to have to reimagine things. So that's what I'm most excited about. He's a gaff machine. He's just a McGaff machine. But I I have this broken down in in different levels. There's the spin where everybody's on board to spin whatever they can to get Biden elected. It, It doesn't matter. They will sell their fucking soul to spin it. Then we finally have people literally trying to cover it and as we find out they get crushed but then we have the super 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 duper spinners all right it, it is like a level of spin that's just unbelievable so let's let's start with the just the most absurd statement i've heard lately and understand brent share did a study on this it's been five weeks, so we figured it was time for an update. Five weeks, 19 inter- interviews, 142 questions for Biden. No mention of sexual assault claim, nor new allegations. Don't worry, I got Chris Math or Chris Hayes and Mika on here. They finally did, but there's been nothing. And Nicole Wallace said Dems are consistent on Me Too. 
Let me just say this, too, having once been a part of the Republican Party. The right isn't running an intellectually honest operation to get to the bottom of whether Tara Reid was victimized. The right is running a smear campaign against Joe Biden. The right wants to create some sort of equal playing field on which Donald Trump's more than two dozen or nearly two dozen accusers sort of have some company on the other side. The right is not running the same operation that the Democrats are running, which is to try to, as you just articulated, Andrea, have some consistency around statements that I think just about every elected Democrat has made about women in, in the context of the Me Too movement. So, as I said with Kayleigh McEnany, everyone should proceed with caution about statements made around this on the right. Andrea, Andrea Mitchell and Rev. We are going to have to just decide. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, actually, Andrea, to your point, I think that this is a year without campaigns, without a campaign trail, without a campaign press corps. And the silver lining, if you will, is that voters are going to have to watch that interview this morning and, and make their own judgments about th there are no more arbiters. There are no more poobahs in either party. Let me just say this, too, having once been a part of the Republican Party. The right isn't running an intellectually honest operation to get to the bottom of whether Tara Reid was victimized. The right is running a smear campaign against Joe Biden. The right wants to create some sort of equal playing field on which Donald Trump's more than two dozen or nearly two dozen accusers sort of have some company on the other side. The right is not running the same operation that the Democrats are running, which is to try to, as you just articulated, Andrea, have some consistency around statements that I think just about every elected Democrat has made about women in, in the context of the Me Too movement. So, as I said with Kayleigh McEnany, everyone should proceed with caution about statements made around this on the right. Andrea Mitchell and Rev Al Sharpton, thank you both for spending some time with us. You can watch the Rev's interview with Vice President Biden tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern on Politics Nation. Brian, what a busy way to end the week. No rest for the weary, right? Yeah, confused and fraught stuff, at least. Let me just say this, too, having once been a part of the Republican Party. The right isn't running an intellectually honest operation to get to the bottom of whether Tara Reid was victimized. The right is running a smear campaign against Joe Biden. The right wants to create some sort of equal playing field on which Donald Trump's more than two dozen or nearly two dozen accusers sort of have some company on the other side. The right is not running the same operation that the Democrats are running, which is to try to, as you just articulated, Andrea, have some consistency around statements that I think just about every elected Democrat has made about women in, in the context of the Me Too movement. So, as I said with Kayleigh McEnany, everyone should proceed with caution about statements made around this on the right. Andrew yeah, I threw in a bonus one where she says the right and left are different on this, which is, it, it, this is just absurd. Every Republican has to answer for a righty getting his dick caught out of his pants. Every conservative does. They got to answer for talk show hosts. But there's the Wallace. It was it was a good start. And then here's just a montage. MSNBC. We would have covered it, but Corona stopped us. They, they said that. CNN rewrites Tara Reid history. Carl, media covering the Tara Reid scandal. What are you talking about? They're covering it. They said it once. That's all it needs to be done.
I think it's important to lay out the timeline here because this story has really been developing slowly but steadily over the past month against the backdrop, of course, of this global health crisis that has been dominating everyone's attention. So it begins in March with a very personal but a very politically charged allegation from Tara Reid, of course, who had worked in Joe Biden's office in the early 90s. Now, the Biden campaign quickly denied that allegation but also said that reporters should be uh, challenging and vetting this claim that women have a right to be heard and that those facts should be uh, vetted thoroughly. And we here at NBC News were among those who did so. Uh, with great credit to Ali Vitali, we spoke uh, t- t- uh, to Tara and also to some of those who she said would corroborate uh, her allegation. We produced uh, that initial report on April 12th. Now, it's important to note as well, Andrea, if we were on the campaign trail, I think you would be among the first on the rope line weeks ago trying to ask the vice president about this. But of course, he's here in Delaware and hasn't been able to address this. He's been doing a number of interviews, but the subject had not come up until today. There were, I believe, two major national interviews that Joe Biden did since this first arose, and then a number of local interviews, local television interviews in the last two weeks where no one asked about it. So no one has asked him about this in a national interview until today. You hear rumors about uh, certain senators, certain congressmen um, to, to stay away from or that they have certain reputations. That was not the case with Joe Biden. It doesn't mean anything about this particular allegation. I mean, the facts still stand about her, what she said versus what he said. But when it comes to the character uh, conversation that we're we're having, that's just the reality. Um, Yes, he is a close talker. He has boundary issues. He's a tactile guy, which he has addressed, you know, many times over the course of this uh, of this campaign. One thing I will say is that you know, the interview was very direct, but it was a home team interview. And hopefully others will have a chance to also ask questions because if he wants to end this and if he wants to continue to stay on the plane of never happened, I'm, I'm, I'm here to answer questions. I'm not going to question her motives, but have at it. It's got to continue. But let's deal with the elephant in the room. I've known yep. you a long time. Some of our viewers are going to watch this. They're going to say, Justice Kavanaugh was treated horribly by the media. Joe Biden, they think he's getting very light treatment. And they say they see you and some of your colleagues in that briefing room and they say, you're just playing gotcha. Here's your fair chance to respond. Well, well, look, in fact, uh, ABC News just uh, is about to post a story on the allegations against Joe Biden. Uh, when I go into that briefing room, I'm not asking questions of Joe Biden. If, if, if I was, uh, I'd be a different set of questions than when I'm asking questions of Donald Trump. There is no question, Ed, that these allegations against uh, uh, Vice President Biden are going to have to be answered for. He's going to have to answer these questions. And I think you're seeing uh, the, the story uh, as more evidence has come forward. Uh, it's it's being covered. In fact, I think it's on the front page of the Washington Post today. They're fucking delusional. They're just delusional. And the best one is finally Pelosi, whereas, you know, McConnell, Boehner, I mean, goddamn Trent Lott. He had to answer every day for Trent Lott. Which, by the way, Trent Lott was ran out of politics. For his indiscretion. Pelosi tells a fucking reporter, don't lecture me. Which, once again, it's disrespect to reporter. That's what we're told. You can't disrespect reporter. 
They are the barons of freedom of speech. She dodges. I mean, there's even a mashup soundbite somebody made of all the fucking ways she's trying. And my wife said it the other day, she was on the TV and they asked her a question or we were listening to one of my podcasts. That's what it was. And she literally said, can that lady even speak? And I was like, no, no, she can't. The investigation on Justice Kavanaugh, when a very similar uh, allegation came out on him. Uh, well, let, let me just say, I, I respect your question, and I don't need a, a lecture or a speech. We're here to show our respect for all women who have a case, have it respected for due process, to investigate, to find the truth, not fear it. Here's the thing. I have complete respect for the whole Me Too movement. I have four daughters and one son. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around the idea that women will be heard and be listened to. But these, what's happening here has lifetime impacts. The crimes themselves, the, uh, the uh, allegations that have been made are about uh, offenses that have a lifetime impact. There is also due process and uh, the fact that Joe Biden is Joe Biden. There's an allegation made against a person, an allegation, as I said before, that has lifetime impact on a person to be violated in that way by a person who wants a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. Uh, there's been statements from his campaign, or not his campaign, but his former employees who ran his offices and the rest, that there was never any record of this. Instead of asking questions, the Republican leadership fears the truth. There was never any record. And that uh, nobody ever came forward or nobody... Really? They're so afraid of the truth. And they're so afraid of women that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford for the truth that she will tell. I am so proud. The happiest day for me this week was to support Joe Biden for President of the United States. Uh, I joined Leader Schumer in calling for Judge Kavanaugh to withdraw his name from consideration. He's a person of great integrity, a great concern for the American people. The Judiciary Committee and the Senate decide to go forth. They have to know that they are having a demoralizing impact and a chilling effect on the entire movement of courageous women who are telling their stories and demanding justice. He authored the Violence Against Women Act uh, when he was the chair of the Judiciary Committee uh, in the 90s. So there are two equities to be weighed. One equity is the integrity of the Supreme Court. The other equity to be weighed is the respect that we have for women when they come forward. Sir, how do uh, Democrats square with the idea that that they're essentially a, they're, they're standing by Biden, but they're using a comparatively different standard with uh, with Kavanaugh when, when he demanded a uh, a investigation on Justice Kavanaugh when a very similar uh, allegation came out on him. Uh, well, let, let me just say I, I respect your question, and I don't need a a lecture or a speech. Here's the thing. I have complete respect for the whole Me Too movement. I have four daughters and one son. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around the idea that women will be heard and be listened to.
there is also due process. And uh, the fact that Joe Biden is Joe Biden, uh, there's been statements from his campaign, or not his campaign, but his former employees who ran his offices and the rest, that there was never any record of this. There was never any record. And that uh, nobody ever came forward or nobody ever came forward to say something about it apart from the principal involved. I am so proud. The happiest day for me this week was to support Joe Biden for President of the United States. He's a person of great integrity, a great concern for the American people. He authored the Violence Against Women Act uh, when he was the chair of the Judiciary Committee uh, in the 90s. He has been an advocate for funding it all along since then. And I, uh, uh, I believe that uh, uh, he will be... A great president of the United States. Uh, he is the personification of hope and optimism uh, and authenticity uh, for our country, a person of great values. Uh, so I want to remove all doubt in anyone's mind. I have a great comfort level uh, with uh, the situation as I see it, uh, with all the respect in the world for any woman who comes forward, uh, with all the highest regard for Joe Biden. And that's what I have to say about that. Thank you. People that we have examples of people trying to sell masks that they don't have, trying to uh, abscond with the uh, checks of people uh, who are waiting to receive their direct payments. Understood. Okay, um, Speaker, I also want to ask you about former Vice President Joe Biden and about this allegation that is being made by one of his former Senate staffers. Um, Do you think that it is time for Vice President Biden to address this head on himself? Well, I I have great sympathy for any women who bring forth an allegation. I'm a big, strong supporter of the Me Too movement. I I think it's been a great, made a great contribution uh, to our country. And and I do um, uh, support Joe Biden. I'm satisfied uh, with how he has uh, responded. I know him. I was proud to endorse him the other day on Monday. Very proud to endorse him. Uh, And so I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Uh, I mean, he hasn't, to be clear, he hasn't addressed it. His campaign has addressed it, but he has not directly addressed it. Should he directly, publicly address it? You know, it's a, a, a matter that he has to deal with. But I am impressed with the people who worked for him at the time saying they ever, absolutely never heard one uh, uh, iota of information about this. Nobody ever brought forth a, a claim or had anybody else tell them about such a claim. Uh, but again, we have a, um, a, an important election at hand, one that is, I think, one of the most important ones that we've had. We say that every election, but I think this one is the most crucial. And I, I supported him because he's a person of great values, integrity, authenticity, imagination, uh, and a connection uh, to the American people. He understands the kitchen table uh, issues of America's working families. His father lost his job when he was a boy. He knows what that feels like for a family and how they're going to pay their bills, their health bills, the education of their children, supporting seniors in their families and the rest. Uh, it's just a, he, he's the personification of hope and optimism for our country, and I was proud uh, to endorse him. America needs a person like Joe Biden with his, again, his integrity and his vision for the future. 
House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, we really appreciate you being here on New Day. Thank you for your time. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing to tell the story of this. That information is so very, very important. Thank you. We'll thank be right With us now in the emergency funding package and the path forward to reopen the economy is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Madam Speaker, welcome back to the show. Good to meet that. Where are we in terms of your level of confidence that as we open the country, we will not get in trouble and be right back to where we were? Because not that much has really changed in terms of mass, in terms of contact tracing, in terms of testing. So uh, are you confident right now? Well, uh, the polls show that the American people uh, are wiser than anyone. Uh, overwhelmingly, six to one, seven to one, they say that we should not go out there any sooner than already and that we should not uh, end the social distancing uh, because of the risk involved to their health. Uh, even though we, we, we operate in three categories. One, the lives of the American people. Two, the livelihood of the American people. Not in any particular order, but lives come first. And then third, the life of our democracy. So as we go forward, all of these are connected. Uh, all these are connected. And the people's will to say, I'm not going, I don't want to go out there uh, until I feel some confidence. Because if you go out there, you bring home what you bring back to your family and your children. So science, science, science. Uh, the, the, again, we have to have a calibration. It uh, has to be uh, factually based, scientifically evidence-based as to what the prospect is of opening up certain, uh, certain uh, businesses and the rest. Uh, but we have to be very careful because we're going to uh, waste the investment we've already made and keeping people safe at home, safe, uh, home shelter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and again, as we engage in distant learning, telemedicine, uh, uh, buying things uh, online and all the rest, we have to also respect uh, that there are many people who are risking their lives to save lives and their jobs may be lost if we don't do the state and local. That is essential to both the lives, the livelihood and the life of our democracy. Madam Speaker, as I listen to some to the changes that you're talking about, telemedicine, a study in home, I think, okay, we're in a world where people who are wealthy, people who have jobs, contracts, they can stay at home. I see it in another world. I see the possibility of two societies developing. Society has to be out there every day, in the masses, subways, risking themselves. And then this other group of people who are safe at home with all sorts of computers, very rich, a society that is not what you and I want to see. How do we prevent that? Well, let us do it all together. This is a moment of truth for our country about who we are. What is the humanity of America? Uh, we wanted to support the small businesses. They are the vitality of our economy, the dreams that people have, uh, the entrepreneurship, the risk they're willing to take for an idea. And so that's why we all gathered and wrote the PPP uh, for that, so that we can try to reach as many people as possible uh, for their jobs and their businesses. Uh, but that was not being done in a way that reached the underbanked and the rest to re address your disparity issues. And we, in our second bill, we were very proud uh, to be able to do that as we uh, increased funding for hospitals and testing essential to how soon we can open up. But the, if you gave everyone in America, every child in America, uh, a laptop, 
he or she may still not have access, or seniors or anyone, but thinking about the kids and school and the rest, if they don't have service. So one of the things we'd like to see in, as we go forward is that we will have funding for uh, broadband, uh, always on, high speed, all over America. Because kids now, even if they have a laptop, they can't even go to a library or a school or a, uh, a cafe or any place in order to, um, uh, to have access uh, to the network. So that is a bit, that digital divide is now becoming a digital chasm, and we have to really address that. So there are many disparities, whether it's access to testing and uh, health care that goes, would go with that, whether it's access to credit, which is what we try to correct in the other bill, whether it's access uh, to, to the, uh, the Internet, which is our means of cooperate, uh, co uh, communication, and also if it's respect uh, for the Postal Service, which is for many of these people, and especially largely in rural areas as well as urban, uh, how they get their uh, medicines or their products that they've ordered and the rest. Uh, so we have to understand what connects us as a country, what unifies as a country. And I'm very confident uh, that, that when people realize uh, the assault that this has made, not only the health, the lives of the people and the livelihood of people, but to the sense of community of who we are as a country, we'll have an opportunity to do something working together, recognizing the role that every aspect of our society plays in it, the public sector, the private sector, et cetera. The public sector, when we do our bills, state and local, that really means honor honor our our heroes, our healthcare workers, our uh, first responders, our trans people, our food delivery services, uh, it's, uh, food providers and in every way, postal service, uh, the list goes on and on. Fucking, it, it's 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 so hypocritical. I, I can't even articulate words on how they're covering this. That's why I barely covered it. I decided to do it up front today. It's it's, and then she, this Pelosi, she formed a new committee, a bipartisan House Select Committee on the coronavirus. The problem is, Jim Clyburn, Maxine Waters, Carolyn Maloney, Nidia. Nydia Velasquez, Bill Foster, Jamie Raskin, and Andy Kim. They're all Democrats, but it's a bipartisan. Just remember that. Pelosi asked whether Biden should address sexual assault allegations. I do support Joe Biden. I'm satisfied with how he's responded. I'm satisfied. And then comes all the other twisting. Hashtag believe some women. Melissa Milano defends Biden, says Tara Reid is not black and white. After almost a month of avoiding serious talk about Tara Reid, uh, sexual assault and allegations against Biden, the 47-year-old charm actress, Biden supporter and activist, claims to have sparked the Me Too movement, finally acknowledged Reid in an April 29th column for Hollywood outlet Deadline. Don't get it twisted, though. Milano's piece didn't include her apology for the hypocrisy of being an unflinching supporter of female victims while protecting Biden at the expense of Reid. Her piece moved the goalposts, making the point that Me Too issues are more complicated now, and she's done seeing the world in black and white. Biden and Reid lie in a moral gray area. How convenient. 
Um, she wrote, it can be very easy to develop a black and white view of the world. Things are clearly wrong or clearly right. To give examples of the simpler Me Too area, Harvey Weinstein, decades of rape were clearly wrong. Donald Trump's alleged sexual assaults were clearly wrong. Brett Kavanaugh, told consistently over decades by his victims, were clearly wrong, and so on, including Bill Cosby, Matt Lauer. But this isn't evidence of unequivocal right and wrong. It isn't black and white. You have guys in this list who are lawfully convicted rapists mixed with guys who have suffered flimsy allegations. And then the world said, isn't that interesting? Alyssa Milano attempts to separate the Me Too world into black and white. And the gray. Here's her list. Black, Harvey Weinstein, Trump, Kavanaugh, Lauer, Cosby. Gray, Joe Biden, because we want him to be president. People resurfaced her tweets. Zero tolerance. We don't hold all accountable for horrible behavior. Nothing changes. Sorry, Al Franken. You should not be in a position to represent the female constituents in your states. Leanne tweeted, I've decided it's time to tell my story. Hashtag me too. Matt Visser. Melissa Lano. The allegations against Joe Biden concern me deeply. I advise him to face the allegations head on, answer every question, admit my wrongdoing, and be the example for all men who face these kind of accusations, whether found or not. A Democrat gets accused of rape. Republicans place too much pressure on women to act like they meant the things they said 18 months ago. Alyssa Milano, accessory to Joe Biden killing of the movement. What's interesting about this is Milano has professed a set of principles and claimed moral high ground during the Me Too movement, but had nothing to lose. Now that her principles put her in a position to sacrifice, she's choosing to shit-can those principles. Rose McGowan. Denounces Democratic Party. This is deeper than a cover up. Cover up calls the media a cult. Uh, let's see. We got to sound the alarm against uh, Weinstein, but went unheeded. Posted her comments on social media on Wednesday. Used to be a proud Democrat. I would have died for this damn country and its ideals. I was raised to be a proud Democrat. She said, explaining how much she supported the party in her youth. And I was always told it was a Democrat party that were the good guys, that our papers were the New York Times, the Washington Post. And we as a family loved listening to all things considered. And we talked about how much we loved Ira Glass' voice. But now I know too much, McGowan said. And I feel really quite a sense of loss tonight. I am not a cynical person, but America, goddamn. Republicans have always been painted as the bad guys, and I've always seen them more as a cult. But now I realize so are the Democrats in the media, macro and micro. This is deeper than a cover-up, and I'm sad because there's death all around all corners and shadows in the daytime. It hurts. McGowan did not elaborate on what she was denouncing Democratic Party, but it was likely because so many on the left were defending Joe Biden. Another major one, Emily Linden. I believe Tara Reid. I also plan to vote for Biden because the only other option is a serial criminal criminal whose crimes include multiple sexual assault and who's proven he simply cannot run the country. That's just the way it is. It feels gross. Yuck. Hashtag vote blue to save America. Back in the day, here's an unpopular opinion. I'm actually not all concerned about innocent men losing their jobs over false sexual harassment allegations. We covered it on the show. That was Kavanaugh. So we got the butt Trump. 
Mark Kelly, the astronaut who got his fame because his wife got shot in the face. He stands with Biden. Kristen Powers, well, she just went all sorts of fucking blue check. As I point out in my column today, there is no double standard in the way Kavanaugh was treated versus Biden. A few Dems called for immediate withdrawal of nomination, but the prevailing view was that the accusation should be heard and investigated. Same should be done with Reed. Educated hillbilly. Holy crap. This take is legit amazing. Another guy. Laugh out loud. You kind of have to laugh. It's just so ridiculous. Not true, unfortunately, for you. We were all live two years ago and have. You cannot be serious. It's all on tape. It was 24-7. People tweeted her, CNN analyst Christian Powers on Monday, said the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court sends a message to women that they won't be taken seriously when they come forward with allegations of sexual misconduct. Powers made the comments after Kavanaugh was confirmed over the weekend following a lengthy bruising battle that involved multiple allegations of sexual assault. But now, mm-mm. Another one, CNN Powers knocks heads with Margaret Hoover. I'm listening to you smear Christine Ford. Redemption, but no Supreme Court job. If the person who sexually assaulted me and my friend turned into an astounding citizen, good father and husband, do I think it should be put on the Supreme Court? No, I don't. I don't th- say this out of vindication or need for retribution. As a Christian, I believe in forgiveness, grace, and redemption. I'm a big believer that people can make terrible mistakes in life and learn from them and go on to make significant and important contributions to the world. Also, Kristen Power. Dale Cooper. Friends, this is literally the definition of gaslighting. So, when she got pushed, mini-thread. Unbelieve all women. If you've been told repeatedly, believe women means listen to women, take their claims seriously, and investigate their claims, and continue to pretend that it means accept whatever women say without question, you're acting in bad faith. I can understand how it might be confusing, and perhaps there could have been a clear slogan for Me Too, but the point is that prior to Me Too, people did not approach accusation from women that with that standard, hence believe women as a slogan. But at this point... It's been explained ad nauseum, and anyone continuing to misrepresent it is not really trying to understand the topic. The end. Really. Because when accusations were proven to be false, you still said believe all women with Kavanaugh. When they investigated, the FBI investigated and found nothing, you still said believe all women. Nira Tandon's taking this. Lisa Smith. Also, the media lets it devolve into some bullshit debate about University of Delaware records. Shame on them. It's incumbent upon them to act without, with some responsibility. Just watched Joe Biden's interview. He took me to tough questions, addressed issue directly and respectfully. The GOP wants to make this an issue. They'll have to reckon with the fact that their president hasn't answered any tough questions about the score of assault allegations against him. She retweeted both of those. Then tweeted, one indication of whether the press is willing to treat the GOP to the same standard they treat the Dems is if Trump is asked about myriad assaults accusations he's faced at the press conference today. She claims her first lodged complaint about this was not an assault at all. This seems like a major issue. Back under Kavanaugh, believe women unless it doesn't work for your ambition, apparently. Sarah Silverman blasts Gillibrand because she went with this too. 
And then comes out articles. Do we remember what all these people said? Alyssa Milano, I'm aware of new development terror reads accusation against Biden. I want terror like every other survivor to have the space to be heard and seen without being used as fodder. I hear and see you, Tara. And then a week later, go suck a fucking bag of dicks. Emily Rapowski, today I was arrested protesting the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. A man has been accused of multiple women of sexual assault. Men who hurt women can no longer be placed in position of power. Amy Schumer, we're going to keep showing up, and no matter how this goes, they cannot keep us down. The actress comedian told the Washington crowd, that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep showing up, and no matter how this goes, it cannot keep us down. We will win. A vote for Kavanaugh is a vote saying women don't matter. Let's stay together. Let's fight. Let's keep showing up. Ellen DeGeneres used her massive Twitter following to share Ford's case and demand she be heard. Lady Gaga, a picture of Ford. Jim Carrey used signature art project to attack Kavanaugh. Real American heroism. Dr. Ford risked everything to tell the truth about this privileged Kavanaugh goon. Chelsea Handler, a veritable regular on women's marches over the past few years, joined the fury. Amber Tamblin, remember, what you're going to see today, what you're seeing today is not the declaration of war waged on women. This is the continuation of the war waged on women. The war is old as time itself. We're going to have to continue the hard work of this battle one day at a time, one election after another. Abu Duverney, I've been on the plane all morning, just landed, trying to make it home. Feel like I want to scream and, and rage and cry. I usually slip in and out of airports easily. Today, three different people come up to me and gave me fuel. This just happened. First was a white man, early 30s. Respect Anna March, uh, blah, blah, the others who just demonstrated that Jeff Flake, who admitted Dr. Ford was a credible witness, has no words when confronted on why he will vote to confirm a sexual predator. That's that famous girl in the, lo- the fucking elevator shit. But in the background, as they all spin and they all lie, because it's our team, so, but trumpet. Democrat VB candidate advisors allegation against Biden causing chaos because of Kavanaugh. They're looking back at what they did and going, holy shit. And then the big ugly. Blue check lib Christy Jackson is calling for an investigation of Ryan Grimm over his reporting the Tara Reid story. So now they're going out to the reporter. Which, once again, when you do this against, you know, when it's allegations against a Republican, you are breaking freedom of speech. You are an un-American piece of filth. This is his tweet. I think we should investigate Ryan Grimm for any communication he had with Tara Reid. Remember, she telegraphed her hit job to Grimm in a tweet that said, TikTok timing. Maybe Ryan and Tara should turn over all the communications related to the subject for everyone to read, you know, for the sake of transparency. Glenn Greenwald, I'm already aware that liberals like you love fascists and want your political adversaries and your journalists in prison. No need to declare how rotten you are. I already know. Travis Riley. Calling for an investigation to a journalist who reported out a fair but unflattering story about your weak-ass candidate as peak blue mega. 
Then you have just the spin that's just insane because they have no reason. They can't really come up for a reason to say, why are we doing this differently? Why aren't we saying believe all women? Why aren't we saying Biden should step down? This is a Democrat. Where the fuck is he from? Uh, New Hampshire. Judging by the position of the female vagina, it will not be easy for anyone to just put their fingers into a vagina unless there is some cooperation from the female herself. That is why I believe Tara Reid's allegation is false. She's looking for attention. He deleted it. Because she wanted it. She was asking for it. The world blew up on this guy. He then tweeted, I'm a supporter of Me Too movement, but I do not believe Tara Reid's allegation. They are politically motivated. They just want to cast doubt over Biden's candidacy. Somebody finally said it the way I would have. So I guess you think a woman has to cooperate for a man to rape her since the position of the vagina and shit. <laughs> Sam Stein. For Biden's opponent on the right, the issue regarding Tara Reid doesn't seem to be that actually believer. In fact, I don't know if they do. It's they feel the left is engaged in an insane degree of hypocrisy and political convenience over when to believe women. Red states. It's not about what they feel. It's about what is actually happening, you dolt. So, surprisingly, the only network that gave him a hard interview, was it Chuck Todd? No. Was it CNN? Fuck to the no. Think Snuffburger did it? Nope. How about Nora O'Donnell, man? She's a female. The only female nightly news anchor. Oh, fuck to the hells no. We didn't cover that. The hard ones were Chris Hayes and Mika. So here's a quick soundbite of what the Nets have said. And then the Chris Hayes talking about it and Mika Brzezinski actually asking him questions. But understand, after this interview was over, Mika Brzezinski... The interview with Joe Biden was difficult, having known and greatly respected him for decades. I still do. The notion that all women are to be believed, which dominates the Kavanaugh hearing, was revisited. Should it be? Were Democrats wrong then or now? And by I still and I still believe in him, well, that means they're they're wrong then. Not now, because Democrats are never wrong believes that women have a right to be heard and heard respectfully. What is clear about this claim, it is untrue. This absolutely did not happen. This is not the first time Reid has gone public with accusations against Biden, and her claims have evolved. Last year, the candidate came under fire from women who accused him of physical contact they felt was inappropriate, like unwanted hugs. At that time, Reid came forward to say Biden touched her on the shoulder and neck in a way that was, quote, uncomfortable. But she did not mention any kind of an assault, nothing like the incident she describes today. Reid describes herself as a, quote, hardcore Democrat, but her story has now been taken up and heavily promoted by President Trump's campaign, his son Donald Trump Jr., and his political allies. Over a dozen women have accused the president of sexual misconduct and assault, including rape. 
The president says they're all lying. She is the only individual who has come forward to accuse him of sexual assault. This week, a former neighbor told CBS News she remembers Reid telling her around 1995 to 1996 about an assault by Biden. And Reid's brother said he remembers her saying that Biden put his hand under her clothes. But Reid's brother's account of the allegations have evolved in recent interviews with several news outlets. The Biden campaign said in a statement that he firmly believes that women have a right to be heard and heard respectfully. Such claims should also be diligently reviewed by an independent press. What is clear about this claim? It is untrue. This absolutely did not happen. Several former Biden Senate staffers from that time have said publicly that they don't recall hearing about Reid's allegations. And today, Biden officially began his search for a running mate. He is bound to pick a woman. The Biden campaign has said this absolutely did not happen. Reid's public account has evolved over time. Last year, she was among a handful of women who called out Biden for what they called inappropriate, though not sexual, touching. At the time, Reid describing Biden touching her on the shoulder or running his index finger up my neck during a meeting. NBC News has reached out to five people Reid said she told about the alleged assault, either at the time or since. Three former Senate staffers told NBC News they do not recall any such conversation with Reid. A fourth, who asked that her name be withheld, says Reid did tell her about it at the time. A fifth person, who also spoke with NBC but did not want her name used, recalled Reid telling her about inappropriate touching, but not an assault. The Trump campaign has seized on the accusation, although the president has been accused of sexual assault by multiple women. The president has denied their accounts and commented tonight. I think he should respond. You know, it's, uh, it could be false accusations. I know all about false accusations. I've been falsely charged numerous times. Back now with calls for Joe Biden to personally address an allegation of sexual assault by a former staffer who worked in a Senate office in the early 1990s. Mary Bruce is in Washington with the story. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, George. Well, as Joe Biden's race for the White House enters a new phase, this accusation is hovering over his campaign. And this morning, Joe Biden is still silent, yet to comment personally on these allegations. This morning, Joe Biden is under growing pressure to address an accusation that has been lingering for weeks. It was very painful and it's had a long-lasting effect on my life. Tara Reid was a 29-year-old staff assistant in Biden's Senate office in 1993 when she says he sexually assaulted her. Reid says an aide told her to bring Biden his gym bag. She says she found him in a corridor of a Senate office building and has described what she says happened next in interviews with ABC News and other outlets, including Democracy Now! I was up against the wall and I remember his hands underneath my bus and underneath my skirt and his fingers penetrating me as he was kiss trying to kiss me and I was pulling away. Throughout the entire Me Too era, there have been moments, I think for many of us, all of us, when we have heard about accusations against someone that we find ourselves desperately wanting not to believe. Whether that is because we have some personal admiration for the individual or their work, or political admiration, someone on our quote-unquote side. But part of the difficult lesson of the Me Too era is not that every accusation is true and everything should be believed on its face, but that you do have to fight yourself when you feel that impulse. You have to do that in order to take seriously what is being alleged and what the evidence is and to evaluate it. And that is the case with the accusation by a woman named Tara Reid against Joe Biden.
In terms of the sort of, you know, I think one of the things that happened in the Me Too era was thinking about how to evaluate claims like this and what, what evidence is sort of corroborative and what's dispositive and the fact that in almost all cases it's extremely difficult to arrive at some definitive accounting uh, in, the, in the sort of evidentiary record. I will say that in following this, one of the things that happened to me, too, and, and, and a piece of evidence that has uh, risen in how I evaluate these stories is a somewhat contemporaneous disclosure to a trusted person who then tells a reporter about it. Um, that is what has hap happened here. And I, I, to me, that has been, um, in terms of what the evidentiary record is, has raised it a bit in my own view of this. I feel the same way. You were unequivocal, uh, Mr. Vice President, back in 2018 during the Kavanaugh controversy and hearings. And um, you said that women should be believed. You said this, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of focus nationally, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she is talking about is real. Whether or not she forgets the facts, whether or not it's been made worse or better over time. She's going to be going on national television on Sunday. Tara Reid is coming forward in the glaring lights. To use your words, should we not start off with the presumption that the essence of what she's talking about is real? She says you sexually assaulted her. No one has ever said anything like this. But, Mr. Vice President, as it pertained to Dr. Ford... Everyone wanted, uh, high-level Democrats said she should be believed, that they believed it happened. You said if someone like Dr. Ford were to come out, the essence of what she is saying has to be believed, has to be real. No. Why? Uh, no, what I Why? said, it has Why to be. Why is it real for Dr. Ford, but not for Tara Reid? There, because the facts are that, look, she, I'm not suggesting she had no right to come forward. And I never, and I'm not saying any woman, they should come forward. They should be heard. Well, uh, I'm going to try and ask many different ways. Uh, Stacey Abrams uh, said during the Kavanaugh hearings, I believe women. I believe survivors of assault should be supported and their voices heard. Kirsten Gillibrand tweeted, do we believe women? Do we give them the opportunity to tell their story? We must be a country that says yes every time. They now both support you. Nancy Pelosi falls into this category, too, as well as many other leaders in the Democratic Party. Are women to be believed? Are women to be believed unless it pertains to you? So, of course, they, they did a kind of thing on WIPO where they say calls grow for Biden to talk about it. This is before the Mika Brzezinski. Development and allegations against Biden amplify efforts to question his behavior. But then they went with the Republican pounce. Trump allies highlight new claims regarding allegations against Biden. Ken Webster, this might be the all-time's worst post-headline ever published. Republicans pounce. Highlight replaces pounce. Of course they went with pounce. Republicans pounce. Jennifer Rubin over WAPO. I don't know what more the Biden camp could have hoped for. A long, eloquent statement. The press will be obliged to quote unequivocal denial and earnest appearance. A tough interview. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief, but it's easy when your guy is innocent. Political rolled out. No, the media isn't bearing the Biden claim. They rolled it out right after 
the interview. And they used Newsbuster. ABC, NBC, CNN have all interviewed Biden recently, but not one of the 77 questions they asked him between March 25th and 27th have been about recharge. There could be no finessing around this line score. The broadcaster deferred to Biden. I might be tempted to second Newsbusters view that the fix is in for Biden at Liberal TV News Network, if not for Jake Tapper interview one year ago on a Sunday show. CNN, State of the Union, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of breaks it down, but then when they finish it, they go, no, no, we, we did cover it. We covered him. So, we're good. It's over. And they're already running stuff like this. Joe Biden crushes Trump by 15 points on handling the coronavirus. Over on Mediate, Dan Abrams' site. That was Tommy faggot-ass Christopher. Running polls that he crushes him. And every type of things we can come up with. Top 59 lib donor spending beats top 44 conservatives by $104 million. We won't hear about any of that dark money. Finding include 48% of Democrats who say nixing in-person voting for the mailbox will trigger fraud. But they're still pushing it. Two-thirds of America say we should not do mail-in ballots. And then there's the new allegation. New accuser alleges sexual harassment by Joe Biden when she was 14. Going to cover it in depth when I have more stories. There's just one coming out. So the media, they spin, they flip, they've done their one hard interview, and it's over. It's just like Clinton. It's over. It's done. That's it. That's your election cycle. It won't come up again, and they'll say, well, we already covered this. That's old news. He denied it. So he denied it. It's over. When Trump denied it, oh, he's a liar. When every other Republican's ever been nailed for this, they're a liar. It's not true. But, you know, that's our media. We'll end this little segment on a soundbite from the USA Today. Because this is really what it's all about for the media. It's unfair for this decent man to be smeared like this. Because in their hearts, Democrats, once again, whether you're a reporter or what, when I say Democrats, I'm saying the media because they're all Democrats. They see their people as good people. I've said it a million times. I don't see Trump as a good person. I just think he's better than what the fuck they want to put up because he'll do less harm. And we'll know more what he's doing because the media will be all over him like white on rice and a paper plate in a snowstorm. Whereas when it's a damn, you don't know anything. But these people put their candidates on a halo. I mean, they are just beyond gods. So they get hurt by this stuff. Listen. Sorry, I almost choked on some water. I thought Brett Favre was God. Closest to ever worshipping somebody was Brett Favre. But when he set the dick pic, it was over for me. Make no mistake, I was like, done. Bye-bye. You don't send dick pics. Nobody does that. 
Especially when your wife has cancer, for fuck's sake. But libs? No. They can't see like the rest of us normals. They're not special people. They're just the only thing we have right now. That, that's all it is. They're what we have. And with their flaws and how fucked up they are, they're better than the Democrats will put up because at least we won't turn, get, lose our guns, be told what Christian, it's Christians to shut the fuck up, have abortions through college. I mean, it's all the little things people don't understand that normals are different on. But I don't idolize no man. I don't look up at anybody and go, oh my God, I was, oh, they're so awesome. Well, except for The Rock. Every man in the world looks at The Rock and goes, God damn, that's a bad motherfucker. But if The Rock was dick slapping somebody and it was sexual rock, a sexual assault, I'd still go, what the fuck, Rock? I mean, literally, we went through just, I mean, the most hypocritical thing, and then we'll move on. The most hypocritical thing about this is all these allegations for Trump broke out right before last November, or 2016 November. The five women that said that they fondled me on an airplane and all that bullshit. Nobody ever said this was timing. This looks political. Those words never came out of the fucking media's mouth. But Tara Reid, who's already come out, we already went through this when he ran the last time. They just ignored it because he wasn't going to win. And now they're saying, well, we've already covered this. It's just political timing. She's got an axe to grind. And they can't see it. Chuck Todd can't see it. None of these people can see it. As we'll see in our fucking Mike Pence section today about a mask, liberals don't have that little voice to go, hey, you're a fucking hypocrite, dude. Because he was one of the first things to bash Pence because he didn't wear a fucking mask. This is Mr. I infected my entire fucking family, got in an argument with a bicyclist. But then I got a fake thing on my show where I came out of my basement for the first time. Yeah, that's him. So we're going to listen to the USA Today soundbite and go into new social media nuggets. Susan Page, he went on to say the most interesting thing, which was almost to express, uh, uh, to sympathize uh, with Joe Biden, though I find it notable that both of you contend this may not do it, this may not end it. Mm. Yeah, it, it may not. Uh, different tone. Donald Trump, Trump took a different tone than Joe Biden did in, in addressing these allegations. Here's here's one great irony. It, you know, the Me Too movement was in part, uh, and the, the the energy that that we've seen around women and around this issue is in part a, a reaction to Donald Trump's election. He helped create this landscape that has made it necessary for Joe Biden to take seriously and treat seriously these allegations by Tara Reid as much as he would want to just dismiss them completely uh, out of hand. He, he has to treat them with respect. We expect that now. Uh, and in part, that's because of, of Donald Trump. And, and here's another great unfairness uh, politically, which is for Donald Trump, these accusations did not cost him his brand, which is I can get things done. I can stand up uh, for American interest. Uh, I'm not afraid to be politically incorrect. Joe Biden's brand is, I am a decent human being. I am an empathetic man. And so these accusations go to something that's more central to Joe Biden's appeal than in the case of Donald Trump. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? 
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Okay, we're going to do a quick military corner today because some stuff did come down. Commanders will be given four standards to assess training restarts in their units. And from what I could garner from the article, it sounds like a number of cases, things like that. But it was really sketchy on what the four things were. The most interesting thing is with all the blow up by the media and Trump failed us and we're all going to fucking die and we don't have fucking enough ventilators and there's no PPPE and people are in fucking goddamn garbage bags and yada yada. Most of the field hospitals they set up and they rolled out the military and spent millions of dollars being torn down right now because they never got used. Yeah. That won't make the media. Army tank crews are playing video games to stay current. I, it was really cool. I wish I could play the video, but it just shows what they're doing. It's kind of boring. Fourth, SFAB will be the first out of the shoot to JRTC rotation in June. They're from Fort Carson. It looks like they're literally going to be doing like a very reduced um, JRTC rotation. It's not that long. They're keeping it simple like a a week long, kind of what we did before we went to Iraq um, after Afghanistan. Really short. Air assault in, hit the fucking mound site. You know, we do a little expand the lodgement, and that was it. Public broadcaster Ramadan called to prayer in Minneapolis prompts debate among war veterans. Yeah. I was surprised this got out. Then the Islamic world calls prayer trans- transmitted openly from Minaret. In recent years, the calls have been heard by American service members who deploy in wartime to Muslim nations. For some of them, the news from Minneapolis prompted heated charges that the mayor order was insensitive and that the call to prayer could trigger a post-traumatic response. Not thinking of us vets that had to put up with that for months. Now we have to listen to this in our own backyard. Better hope the VA opens the door for walk-in treatment. Another post read, Many of us who were deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan still have PTSD because of this garbage. The mayor's order also should be taken as an expression of American idealism. One Army veteran told Just the News, Can the call to prayer be triggered to veterans who will remind of their combat experience? For some, absolutely, said Chad Longo, a liberal who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. But we have to also ask ourselves, is that is the threshold for its acceptance. Longell were compared the Ramadan broadcast of the 4th of July, in which the sounds of fireworks can trigger. Nice twist there, dude. Yeah. Nice twist. To our college section, it's also reduced today. I kind of made a small news and social media nuggets. Michigan student was arrested and charged for posting this photo. I'm going to take this out to the range and make some snowflakes get triggered to bayonet on a weapon. He got arrested because they literally said this looked like a, we're going to blow up a school. Yeah. It won't go anywhere, but that, that's what they did because he posted a photo of an AR-15. Rutgers professor 
Fuck each and every Trump supporter. This this just looks like your typical... It, she looks like Abrams. Yeah. Rutgers University Associate Professor of Women, Gender, and Sexual Studies. There it is. Brittany Cooper. We've had her on before. Says Trump supporters are to blame for the disproportionate number of black Americans who have died as a result of coronavirus. In a tweet, I feel like most black people are clear that this is utterly absurd to push to reopen the country. It's all about a gross neo necropolitical calculation that it is black people who are dying disproportionately from COVID. Not only do white conservatives not care about black life, but my most cynical negative read of white supremacists among them is they welcome this massive winnowing of black folks in order to slow demographic shifts and shore up political power. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. I'm not a white supremacist, but I found all these white supremacist websites that are like everywhere. It's like you go to Google, it's just all white supremacist. And that's what they're saying. Hey, we can make the demographic ship stop if we let all these people die. That's what I'm reading. Oh, no, I didn't read that. What I actually read was people are just want to have fucking food and pay their mortgage and not lose their car. They really don't care about black people. Sorry about that. You'll write a column about that later. These fucking people. To gay shit. Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow. Bow. Lil pump in the cut. Hey, gay shit, 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 gay shit. Our race and and gay have been just mirroring each other because they all just want to be the most aggrieved classification of humans. LGBTQ people not to blame for pandemic. Global group declared. I didn't know anybody blamed them. The Joint United Nation Program on AIDS and Impact Global Action for Gay Men's Health and Rights expressed concern that the LGBTQ and intersex people are being singled out, blamed, abused, incarcerated, and stigmatized as vectors of disease. Yeah. They called on governments to denounce misinformation, the scapegoat, slander, or otherwise label gay people for the spread of COVID. I've not seen that anywhere. Stop raids on LGBT-led organizations, shelters, and spaces and desist from arresting people based on their orientation. Ain't happening in America. They get, like, a, a hotel room at the Ritz if you're gay nowadays. Ensure that all measures to protest public health are proportionate. Prevent the use of state surveillance on gay people. Of course, this is probably written for other country, but in reality... They're going to pretend like it's America, because that's what they always do. They always pretend like it's, it's fucking America. America's down here just lynching them gays. That's what we do. It's all fucking Andrew Shepard or what Matthew Shepard all over again, even though Matthew Shepard is fucking horse shit. But, you know, why Why be factual? We, we don't be factual. Factual's stupid. Why would you be factual? It's so much better just to go with emotion, lies, misinformation when you're a liberal. You can't do that when you're conservative, but you can do it when you're a liberal. Next one, how to win LGBTQ equality in the South. Nowhere in here do they say anything that they don't. They just keep talking about bathroom bills. 
And then they bring on a gay guy who happens to be a rep, David Sicilian. Pandemic relief must include LGBTQ protections. Annette, lesbian nurse in Michigan in the ICU with coronavirus, pleads with people to make sure that if she dies, her child could stay with her wife instead of going into foster care. A gay police officer. And that's what they're talking about because these people don't know how to write wills. Yeah. Write a fucking will. That's all you have to do. You can leave your kids to your dog in a will. Gay former ambassador named Biden deputy campaign manager, Rufus Gifford. You never heard of him because he was the ambassador of Denmark. He served under Obama, but Biden gets that check mark. I got a gay guy. Hey, Biden, update your shit, bro. He's not black, so it doesn't count. <laughs> to race. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Where did my dad go? He left when you said Reagan planted crack in the black community. But he did. My dad wanted to protect us from the real world as long as he could. Crack planted by Reagan. Baby, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just getting ready to talk with the kids in a way that they'll understand through song. Paul. No? Mm-mm. But are you sure? Yep, Reagan planted crack in the black community. That's on TV. Hollywood puts out all the crazy shit because they're all fucking writers. They're all gay, fucking hateful people. The real coronavirus hoax, Republicans are using COVID to make the black vote disappear. It's right down with that other person. I guarantee that professor read this article and then she put it out. More than 80% of patients hospitalized for COVID-19 in Georgia were black, CDC said. And that's where they're getting this bullshit. That's where they got it. Just one city. They base their whole shtick on one city. It's what we said. It's just one city up north, and then they grab Atlanta, and they say, well, that's our 80. Almost everybody dying is black. And the most amazing thing about it is just like guns, which is really big today. There's a lot of anti-gun shit. They don't have to prove anything. You don't need any facts. You just say it. De Blasio going after Jews again. Something absolutely unacceptable happened in Williamsburg tonight, a large funeral gathering in the middle of this pandemic when I heard and went there myself to show the crowd was dispersed and what I saw will not be tolerated so long as we're fighting the coronavirus. My message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. The time for mourning has passed. I've instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping this disease and saving lives, period. Except if you're Muslim, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. The world is just like, my message to all communities looking at you Jews. (laughs) He's only singled out Jews and Christians. And remember, we played the soundbite. They can go in and pray social distancing in a mosque. Because he ain't going to touch that shit. Either because it's preferred democratic religion, or they're afraid they'll blow shit up. I I go with both. Teen Vogue teaches kids reopen protests are motivated by, you guessed it, racism. 
Races are going to racists, and this pandemic is no different, flared the headline. Reopen protests are motivated by racism. Lack of concern for black and brown lives, screamed the cover title. This op-ed argues that the calls to liberate America are rooted in white entitlement. Author Candace Mallet began by complaining about mostly white bodies who were not wearing masks or practicing social distancing on Huntington Beach. Yeah, today we got New York Huntington Beach, but all you're going to hear about, you know, once again is, is uh, Michigan. <clears throat> um, these beachgoers are actually spread out despite deceiving pictures, were blasted over the weekend by online busybodies. But this is a sign of a larger problem in Orange County and the entire country, according to Team Vogue. Huntington Beach is home to one of the reopen movements, an astroturf protest focused on reopening business across America and the COVID-19 pandemic still rages and a rejection of all things science. Making America great again or reopening America, the goal of these white Americans are rooted in desire, return to their white dominance and white comfort. Mallet blamed the fact that African Americans are disproportionately affected by the virus, even though there's no goddamn proof of that. It's all white entitlement, folks. Anybody who lets their kid read that needs to be punched in the face. Uh, spot among the signs, I want a haircut. The point of some of these protests isn't that these white workers are eager to get back to their own jobs, but they want their help to get back to work. The parallel to slavery raising themselves. Because it always goes back to slavery. After telling an anecdote about the African-American healthcare worker from Detroit who repeatedly denied COVID testing before ultimately succumbing to the disease. Detroit area has long shown a lack of care for black lives, whether it's through environmental racism, which isn't a thing, but go ahead. Economic failure or mass incarceration. Racists are going to racist. Yeah, and they're all run by Democrats. Isn't that interesting? Without explaining that the city has been controlled exclusively by Democrats for decades, many of them African-Americans. But yeah, let's blame it on the white guy. Yeah. To conclude, Mallet cites her own socialist piece titled The Coronavirus Pandemic Demonstrates a Failure of Capitalism and declared the normal we knew about COVID-19 needs to remain in the past. The normal was, of course, a racist society. The society that these white protesters are so desperately want to reopen is rooted in anti-blackness. Society allowed for black people to die at a disproportionate rate the way it was since we were brought to this country to be enslaved. We must build a new society where black people are no longer the first to be sacrificed for the elite's mistaken failures. Race baiters are going to race bait, and this pandemic is no different. Isn't that the truth? Liberal shit! Come on down! You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit! Dr. Bruce, one cannot help but notice that the, the, the political figures that are pushing most aggressively for the states to reopen, in some cases, have declined to even issue stay-at-home orders are Republican governors. And some of these states are states where the numbers of infections are increasing, the death, the numbers of deaths are increasing, not decreasing. And Dr. Chris, I cannot help but notice that some of these states are also the states that have some of the most restrictive abortion policies in the country. 
The argument there being that this is their duty to protect vulnerable life. How is this pro-life? How is this consonant with those principles to be opening states when people are still dying? Michelle, I I think uh, a couple of things. Uh, I I don't throw this straight to the political world, and I'm part of the political world. And as you know, I've run the Republican Senatorial Committee and been at it a long time. And so I, I do not go straight to issues like abortion when we're talking about this. So let me tell you the way I look at it, and then we can come back and, and answer your question. I had another TV show, Abortion, but it didn't come out good. But abortion's still a big thing. They're really upset that people can't be killing their babies. Washington Post fact checker can't handle Trump truth about late-term abortion. Washington Post fact checker has a very strange and unfactual way of reacting to Democrats telling voters and interest groups they want no restrictions on abortions. They think it's a lie to say these Democrats support abortion until birth. They gave three Pinocchios for this statement. Virtually every Democrat candidate has declared their unlimited support for extreme late-term abortion, ripping babies straight from the mother's room right up until the very moment of birth. He said this on March 2nd. Salazar or Salvador Rizzo is doing this fact check on April 28th. So what takes two months about the sentence? This, for any Democrat saying no restriction, has philosophical and scientific accuracy. Until a baby is born, women have unrestricted right to choose to abort babies. He tries to twist that it's not a true statement, but it is. That's like saying everyone who supports the Second Amendment supports school shootings. Katie L. Waters, a professor of Northwest University, Feinberg School of Medicine, wrote in an email. Well, you guys say we're all for school shootings. You say that me and my wife both own our own AR and we are killing kids because we own that. So how could you... See, this is that that lack of conscience. They can't hear that little voice go, yeah, we do say... If you own AR, you're for killing babies. I've had the people tell me that online. That's that's a liberal line. MSNBC, once again, so just fucked up. They bring on the PPFA head again and don't say she's a PPFA head. You know, first to you, women are not as often infected as, as men, according to the healthcare data or the statistics that we see, but they are really carrying an, an unequal portion of the burden. No, exactly, um, Andrea. And I think it was important. You're, you, what you said is exactly right. Women are the vast majority of caregivers in this country. They're, they're the majority of essential workers. And I feel like the government has failed women by not providing the kind of care, the protective gear that they need. And something that, you know, is obviously related is that so many of these women have now lost their child care. They've lost their, their kids are no longer in school because of the public school shutdown. And we've really done nothing to address that as well. So they are on the front lines. They're trying to take care of their families uh, and they're being exposed in a way that is disproportionate, particularly for women and women of color in this country. I, I hope that in this next stimulus package that we actually think about the people who are on the front lines, not just the corporations and industries, but what women need in order to, to recover uh, from this pandemic. Then we got Bill Weir. He's still just, oh, they can't make this guy go away. Climate cop Bill Weir claims Newsbuster pushed malevolent hoax of Climategate. 
On April 25th, CNN aired one of those dramatic one-sided climate fear-mongering documentaries with a subtle title, The Road to Change, America Climate Crisis, Bill Weir, CNN Chief Climate Correspondent. Sound the usual notes that we're in dire straits during the end of life, we know it. We're introduced as special as a search for ways to turn our denial or depression into action. To save the lives of millions we will never meet and a few we really know. And pictures of kids. This matches Weir's apology to his kids that we played last week. Uh, special spent 90 minutes promoting an alarming view of global warming without including any scientists or policymakers or journalists who are offering a poisoned view. Again, it's a cable opinion network, not news. Weir ripped conservatives as part of the machinery of denial funded by oil companies. As he promoted climate activist scientist Michael Mann, he presented the 2009 scandalous ClimateGate as a malevolent host created by, among others, the late Noel Shepard of Newsbusters and other conservative bloggers like Ed Driscoll and Goff, Jeff Goff, I always say that wrong, Jeff Metcalf. There was zero rebuttal offered to Mann's malevolent spin. Weir these days, it's hard to imagine the words conservative and conservation. And he goes on to bash him and this guy, man, I just, it's a long article. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to play this dipshit. And then in 2009, just as the world was poised to take real action at summit in Copenhagen, that hacked email controversy involving British scientists. It's been dubbed Climate Gate. Emails that many say cast doubt on the entire science behind global warming claims. Someone hacked into a server at a university in England and stole over a thousand emails between climate scientists. I remember when I first learned of this, it was just before Thanksgiving, um, 2009. Among the scientists whose emails were hacked, Penn State's Michael Mann, co-author of the famous hockey stick graph, showing how Earth's temperature had jumped in the 20th century. Findings that have since been confirmed by the National Academy of Sciences. They went through these stolen emails and uh, cherry-picked individual phrases. By suggesting that scientists were making it all up, so-called climate gate hijacked the conversation at the worst possible time. There were actionable uh, death threats made to me uh, and to my family. Multiple investigations from the EPA to the UK's House of Commons cleared them and declared ClimateGate was a malevolent hoax. The only wrongdoing was the theft, the criminal theft of the emails in the first place. But it only added more fossil fuel to the machinery of denial. In the last 15 years, there has been no recorded warming. So, Mr. President, catch this. Mm-hmm. So, the most of the research has said men are dying more than women around the world from COVID. So, that would propose that it's black men are dying because it's only black people dying. There's no white people dying because they also say that. But Politico, dead men aren't cause for celebration, but COVID is a war on women. Long article, no proof that women are being abused other than, yes, you got it, abortion. Yeah, abortion. To the Land O'Lakes craziness, Kitty Easley. My Native American father drew the Land O'Lakes maiden. She was never a stereotype. I just wanted to read that. (laughs) It was actually a Native American who drew the art. But nobody ever researched that. Ever. They just went with, 
white people drew this, gotta be bad, it's on butter and I'm offended. Yeah, that's perfect. Sean Craig is our last story, and then we'll go uh, into a uh, bumper. These Reuters photos of strip club in Oregon operating as a drive through takeaway service confirm that we have reached the neon anime sci-fi part of our future dystopia. The videos of this are just hilarious. Just hilarious. It is, uh, it's just hilarious. I mean, if you're that hard up, dude, it's called the internet. You, you can, I'm sure Pornhub's got strippers on it. Why, why the fuck you gotta go to a place in your car and drive by watching a girl shaking her ass? Really? That's a thing. So we're going to go to a bumper. We're going to listen to a scientist who actually is calling bullshit. On the number of deaths, because we already know it's bullshit, but I want to play it anyway, because it just reestablishes that we're about to go in our coronavirus section, and most of this is just lies now. We're just in the lying portion of this, because they want to keep the economy closed, so we're going to play that, and we'll come into our attacks on Mike Pence. Yeah. He didn't wear a mask. You know, Stephanopoulos didn't. Nobody else did, but, you know, whatevs. Answered questions during this pandemic. We've been out in the street talking to some folks who are on the front lines, talking to the unsung heroes of the people of New York City, people, for example, in funeral homes. And we've talked to these unsung heroes and we've discovered some troubling things, some things that should disturb us. This will just be part one of an ongoing investigation into fraud, waste, abuse, corruption, and COVID. I think, 
think like the mayor in our city, they're looking for federal funding, and the more they put COVID on a death certificate, the more they can ask for federal funds. So I think it's 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 political. So I'm going to turn around and say, you know, like not everybody that we have here that has COVID on a death certificate died of COVID. Can I prove that? No, but that is my suspicion. So you think that they're just putting it on everyone who's dying? They're putting it on everybody's death certificate to make life easier for them because, like, the causes of death get proved right away. If you write COVID, I mean, listen, they're just pushing things out because they're overwhelmed and it's just easier to write COVID on everything. That's my opinion. So this isn't, like, we're not the first case of this happening? Oh, absolutely not. How many, how often do you think this has happened? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. So you've seen, like... I couldn't give you a number, but quite a lot. Okay. So you've seen other families at your funeral home? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen, I've seen causes, I've seen people, you know, say, oh, but the family's the same, but he never tested, we don't know, and they're right in any way. Because if, you know what, the, the law allows them, like, if it's in their medical opinion, it allows them to write it. So they don't even have to prove it. So do you, do you think that they're doing it to help the mayor, or...? And they're not even testing these people for COVID. They're not even testing these people. If, if the doctor thinks you had COVID, he's allowed to write it down. Listen, you, you asked the question, I'm going to give you the answer. Uh, I'm sorry if the answer may not be what you want to hear, but I, I'll apologize for that. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to people. Mike Lanza was not the only funeral director we heard this story from. His observations were shared by many. All putting COVID on a lot of death certificates because people that are going to their hospital, any kind of respiratory um, distress, respiratory problems, uh, pneumonia, the flu, the flu-like symptoms lead into the COVID-19. Sure. So, it, you know, it's it's hard for them to put their finger on it. So just to be safe, or I, what does it matter? I, I guess that's my confusion: is if he dies, he's got a heart condition, but they're going to say, "For me, all you're doing is you're padding the uh, statistics." You know, you're putting people on that have COVID nineteen. If they didn't have it, you're making the death rate for New York City a lot higher than it should be. A lot of people have been dying at home. Okay, and the problem is the medical examiner. If you didn't, if you had a private doctor, the medical examiner would speak to the private doctor over the phone, clear it up, bing, bang, it's all done. But now if you don't have a private doctor and you are on any medical care, they're automatically putting down on the debts to be a COVID-19 because they don't want to go, they're so overwhelmed, A, and B, they're not going out to houses anymore. They would go out to the house, they would investigate the scene, they would do some, you know, testing at the scene and then come up with a conclusion as to he had heart disease. But now they're putting everything as COVID-19, so they're padding the numbers that are making it look like, you know, yes, we do have a lot of deaths. I'm not going to say we we have been overwhelmed with them. But you start to say how many of them are actually COVID-19, or are the ME just putting it because they don't want to go to the scene? Ah, uh, okay, okay. Because my sister was, yeah, she was... Cons- I had a 40-year-old man that died in this house 
okay? They didn't even go to the house. The guy had no underlying causes, no medical conditions. They released him from the house without even going, saying he had COVID-19 because he had a fever. But now, how do you know that's what he had? You don't. But now your death certificate shows he had COVID-19. Guy that I just buried, I just came back a little while ago from Long Island National Cemetery. Wow. Oh my, who's this woman? I was at a nursing hospital in um, Dutchess County. Wow. And they're just assuming just because... Because a couple of people had it, so everybody has it now. I just wonder what the mm-hmm. point of that is. Okay, so this is a case where someone was said to have had it, and then afterwards they checked, no COVID-19. So this guy made like a special call for the autopsy. Chief Supreme Court Justice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Basically, every scenario that comes across our death now has COVID on it. Even if people aren't tested, if they have a cough, if they have a flu symptom, it's basically concerned, uh, basically uh, considered COVID. If you work in a hospital or the government and you witness something troubling, we want you to contact us securely at VeritasTips at ProtonMail.com. We want to know about any fraud or corruption that may be going on, and we will protect your identity. So contact us. We need you, and your country needs you. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. 
If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Uh, three months ago, uh, if I watch Alabama play LSU, I don't want to see 20,000 people instead of 120,000 people. We want it to be the way it was. Now, we've got to wait till it's gone, and it will be gone. And we've done a lot to get rid of it. Uh, but we, we want to open our country. The people want this country open. Yeah. Let me just uh, say something before I move on with what I had planned here. I've seen so many people out and about lately. Not socially distancing, not wearing masks, not following the rules. This is not over. You may think it's over because if you if you actually pay attention to what's happening in Washington with this administration, not having the briefings, trying to pretending that this is over because they want to move on to other things. So not having those briefings, that's all part of the plan for you to think that this is over, that we have moved beyond this. People are still dying at alarming rates. Those quarantine orders that are given, they're still in, in, in place. They're still, they're still orders in most places. So don't get it twisted. Don't sit there and think that this is over because you've just, you've been in the house for a long time. That's not so. And when the CDC issued guidelines about wearing a mask, it was their recognition that people that may have the coronavirus um, could prevent the possibility of conveying uh, the virus to someone else by wearing a mask. And since I, I don't have the coronavirus, I, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for me to be here, to be able to speak to these researchers, these incredible healthcare personnel, and look them in the eye and, and say thank you. Was the mask cover your eyes? Look, you can make an excuse for anything. Uh, but let's bring in Dr. Sanjay Gupta because this is a teachable moment. Of course, if you're supposed to wear a mask, you mm. should wear a mask. That's not the lesson. If you think you have 100% confidence because you tested negative once, twice, three times, Sanjay, isn't the reality that we don't know that you're 100% not contagious when you test negative and that that test is only right. as good as the day it's on? First of all, that's a good example. Uh, it's the policy of the hospital, right? I mean, this is the policy of the hospital. A lot of people get tested. I work in a hospital. I get tested. I still wear a mask. Second of all, I mean, third of all, it's, it's, you know, it's a hospital in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that, that is a time when you wear a mask, right? He's seeing patients over there. There are sick patients. I mean, this is potentially risky. Look, I'm not in the gotcha game. I think it's a waste of time. I think people are turned off by it. But all I'm saying is, look, at some point, you got to stop you got to start being able to take any kind of responsibility for anything that's negative at some point. I mean, this administration has never done a damn thing wrong uh, ever, and they just can't own it. And I guarantee you, people will find ways to defend them by attacking me, but they won't own the obvious. But that's politics. Let's move it to the... God, these fucking people are so goddamn petty. So, because, as we said this whole show, they don't have any conscience, Christopher Cuomo... Everyone knows he did the wrong thing, but the criticism misses the fact that a significant part of his base thinks masks are stupid anyway. Based on what? You don't wear a mask. I mean, I went out in public yesterday to go get some dog or cat food for our strays. I didn't see anybody in mask. 
Not everybody around me is conservative, or a maggot, as you people say. Trey Goins-Phillips, it really takes some gall for Chris Cuomo violated quarantine rules when he was still infected with COVID-19 to tweet about Mike Pence not wearing a mask. The constant tattling on one another is so silly. Can we first talk for a minute about how you broke quarantine, Christopher Cuomo? Sure. It is just a lie. I was past quarantine. Was never in public. My fan was cursed at it in our own backyard by a guy with an open case for allegedly biting a man's hand. Those are facts ignored by Trump grumps. So now that Chris Cuomo admits he was out of his basement and breaking quarantine, will anyone at CNN care to comment on why the network staged a Lazarus act a full week later? Carol Markowitz. Hi, Trump grump here. If you were past quarantine, then why did you stage yourself emerging from the quarantine eight days later? Why did you tell Sanjay Gupta two days after the incident that you had not gone the requested 72 hours without fever? Did you wear a mask when you were yelling at the guy on the bike while you were symptomatic? Stephen Miller. Man, talk about expert gaslighting. RBE. Here's a media figure flat out lying that he was past quarantine when he left his home. Remember, this was more than a week before the stage rising out of the basement. Would a media reporter like Brian Seltzer be interested in reporting on this media figure lying? For starters, his wife reported on her blog that he had a fever in the afternoon and evening. Hi, Chris Cuomo. Can you please address your wife's blog? Comfortably smug. You're lying. You said on TV two days after breaking quarantine that you still had a fever. Gnomes, his backyard is the Hamptons. Greg Powellitz, you literally had symptoms the next day. Then your wife and son tested positive. When is CNN going to put an end to this bullshit? He was not past quarantine as his own live CNN video feed proves. And people show it. But AOC, somebody who probably... Didn't wear a mask. When I warned everyone in February that Pence doesn't believe in science and shouldn't be charged of COVID response, I meant it. But I admit, I did not have VP visit COVID patients without wearing a mask on my bingo card. Was that before or after you called us racist for not congregating at Chinese restaurants? Noted scientist AOC thinks you should go to restaurants in March. Media. Give Pence not wearing a mask three times more coverage than Biden's scandal. Biden's sexual assault charges, ABC zero, NBC zero, CBS one minute three seconds, MSDNC four minutes 39 seconds, CNN 23 minutes two seconds. Pence doesn't wear a mask. ABC one and a half minutes, NBC two minutes. CBS, four minutes. MSDNC, 32 minutes. And to show CNN is no longer about news, 48 fucking minutes and 21 seconds on Pence's mask. And then simultaneously, NBC Times front page, news, science speaks, but the president rarely listens. A history of ignoring or playing down facts is cutting regulation. Never mind that cutting regulation has been part of America's fight against coronavirus. After mocking Trump's boastfulness, Friedman and Plumer get into the meat of the front page title. A disregard for scientific advice has been a defining character of Mr. Trump's administration. As a nation confronts one of the worst public health disasters in generation, a moment that demand a leader willing to marshal the full might of the American scientific establishment, the White House is occupied by a president whose administration 
administration, critics say, has diminished the conclusion of scientists in formulating policy. Mr. Trump's administration quickly began working on the most far-reaching policies, the systemic downplaying or ignoring of science in order to weaken environmental health and global warming. Meanwhile, the pandemic hasn't slowed the administration environmental. They turned this into environmental. <laughs> perfect, perfect shit. So when they weren't bashing Pence, here's a double soundbite for you. We got the Trump is mental again. Yeah, that's that's in the news. And to show that if he was mental, then how can he do this? A great montage of Trump smacking fucking reporters. And I think it is, yeah, I think it's a failure not only of domestic policy, but this is being a failure of our foreign policy. Yeah, it's even worse than that, Senator, with respect. They had the playbooks. The national security person wrote it, had it. They had it, all the playbooks. They just didn't take it off the shelf. And that's my last question to you. Do you think, finally, that this president is a danger to the people of the United States and to the world? Certainly one of your former colleagues, Senator Jeff Flake, a Republican himself of Arizona, has said that he thinks so, and he thinks a sound defeat not just a defeat, a sound defeat of the president in November is vital to save not just the country, but also the Republican Party. What do you make of that? Well, number one, I agree with him that um, it's, if this is a very close election, we will continue to have a debate about these failed policies as if they were the correct policies. And so a big defeat is absolutely necessary to reestablish our global position, but also to get our country unified and back together. Just about every important state. According to five people with knowledge of the conversation, Trump had planned to run his 2020 campaign on the strength of the economy and has now been warned by aides that his re-election depends on how quickly he can reverse the economic downturn caused by the right. coronavirus. So anyway, uh, he's upset. He, he, he's, he's, in a, he's in a complete meltdown and uh, a complete meltdown mode, Willie. Uh, threatening at one point, I think he, he was threatening to sue, uh, his campaign manager, yes. who of Parscale. course, a that lot, a lot, a lot of people have claimed that Parscal has actually used his position to enrich himself. It's causing a, a lot of concerns and maybe they think he's more focused on getting rich than actually helping Donald Trump. But the numbers, and we're going to show the polls in a second, man, the numbers are horrific in the swing states. They're even bad in Texas. They're bad in North Carolina. They're bad all across the United States. And Donald Trump, of course, is not going to blame himself because of how badly he's doing in these afternoon briefings because he stumbles over words. Sometimes he seems to fall asleep in the middle of meetings. He seems to be... Uh, you know, people have been talking about his cognitive decline for some time and how it might impact us in a crisis. Now, of course, worries that a cognitive decline are they're starting to catch up with him and we're starting to pay. But my gosh, Americans are noticing and the poll numbers are just collapsing. Just collapsing. 
They are collapsing, and the reason the president blew up, as reported by Jonathan Lemire, who we'll talk to in a second, NBC News as well, is because his campaign team brought him a dose of reality. They said if the election were held today, you would lose, sir, the Electoral College. You are losing all these battleground states, and that set him off. He didn't want to hear that. And reportedly, Pascal, when this week and yesterday he came to the White House, he brought with him rosier polls so the president wouldn't be upset. Let's take a look at some of the latest polling that caused the president to explode. The latest USA Today Suffolk University poll has President Trump trailing Joe Biden by 10 points nationally. The latest Economist YouGov poll has him trailing Biden by six nationally. The latest Emerson College poll has President Trump down six as well. Turning now to the key battleground states, and this is what set off the president, the latest Fox News poll showing President Trump trailing Joe Biden by eight points in Pennsylvania and in Michigan and by three in Florida. In New Hampshire, the president trails by eight points. In North Carolina, down by five points. In Texas, he trails by one point. In Texas, he's down a point. In his home state of New York, President Trump trails by 36 points. This, as his latest approval rating, sits at 44%. And John, He's also pushing U.S. intelligence to find evidence for this theory that the virus was accidentally released from a lab in Wuhan. That's his new angle to feed the wingnuts, uh, to treat this virus like it was a conspiracy of some kind. It should have never happened. This plague should never have happened. It could have been stopped. But people chose not to stop it. <laughs> what people? Tomorrow he'll blame the Spanish flu on Antonio Banderas. Okay, why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? It comes from China. That's why. There are people in your profession that write fake news. You do. You're CNN. You're fake news. Your ratings are terrible. you got to get back to real news. Trump asks people to go outside. That's dangerous. Here we go. I'm the president and you're fake news. Your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. That's why nobody trusts the media anymore. That's why you used to work for the Times and now you work for somebody else. But the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower a lower approval rating than you've ever had before. That's why your ratings are so bad, because you're pathetic. You're never going to treat me fairly, many of you. And I understand that. Don't and be threatening. Be nice. We're all, you, me, everybody, we're all on the same team. Such a basic, simple question, and you try and make it sound so bad. Instead of asking a nasty, snarky question like that, you should ask a real question. I think it's a very nasty question. If you keep talking, I'll leave, and you can have it out with the rest of these people. How many cases were here when I issued the ban? Did me. you know? No, no, no. Do you have to do your research? What? How? Oh, more than. Okay, good. Correct me. Correct me. Good. Well, I'm really glad you corrected me, uh, I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I'm You want to know who I think is mental? Celebrities. Top 12 sink lower as they try attack Trump, family, and supporters. Jimmy Kimmel. Laughing at those dumb yokels who just want to work again. People are getting restless, especially the people who aren't too bright. Starting to think these characters who support Trump might be suicidal. They seem to fight hardest for things that will kill them. They want freedom to gather in large groups. They want guns. They want pollution. I figure it out. They want to die, and they're taking us down with them. Yeah, that's exactly it, Jimmy, you piece of shit. Uh, Jerry Springer, Cincinnati Inquirer. There's no excuse, now that we know what they're like, for just turning on the cameras. Reporters should be there and then write their reports or report on the news at night or whatever. But to just turn the cameras on Trump for an hour and a half, that's not journalism. Rosie predicts good people will throw Trump out in a landslide. 
Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, Mark, oh, sorry, Mark McCa- Mark Marone. You know what we're finding out in terms of this guy, the president, is like, I don't know if I can believe that people are fundamentally good to you. I do. I do believe that. I, I have to believe it. I think November we're going to be a landslide and take them out, and that's what I have to believe. Keep believing it. Uh, number eight, if you still support Trump, you're insane, Brian Cranston. Number seven, we're in deep shit with Trump as president, Howard Stern. Number six, briefings won't stop tens of thousands dying from Trump negligent, Rob Reiner. Alyssa Milano, remove most fucked up president before he endangers more lives. Donald Trump, deadlier than Vietnam. Number four, Ellen Barkin covered it. Number three, Ellen Show. Just like 1940 Germany, how you act now is exactly how you would have acted in the 40s Germany. If you're not speaking out against this fucking lunatic, you would have done shit back then. Number two, profanity-laced tirades send little Baron Trump out to test the coronavirus waters. Michael Rappaport, fucking pig. The real people want to get back to work ASAP. You know, you never worked a fucking day in your life. You're worried about the next four years. You need to be worried about the next four days, motherfucker. You need to be worried about the next four weeks, the next four months, you motherfucker. You're the most possible motherfucker we could have in power making decisions right now. The real people want to get back to work. Why don't you send your fucking son, Dick Stain, Donald Trump Jr., Big Tooth fucking Eric Trump, Little fucking Baron, fucking Ivanka, Junkyard Jarrett. Let them go out there and test the fucking waters. Let them see if shit is sweet. Let them take the cars, the trains, the buses, the Amtraks. Let them play in the park. And everything's good after five days of playing out there in the streets. We'll go back to work. Michael Rappaport. A video posted on his Twitter account, March 25th. That That's just mother fucking... Wow, dude. You, you got problems. You need to see a psychiatrist. And number one... Trump and his supporters should all drink Clorox and drop dead. Howard Stern. I'd love it. Donald Trump would get on TV and take an injection of Clorox. Let's see if this theory works. Hold a big rally. Say, fuck this coronavirus with all his followers. And let them hug each other and kiss each other and have a big rally. Sidekick Robin Quivers. A big cocktail disaffected. Stern. Yeah. And all take disaffected and drop dead. Yeah. yeah you're nice people. The Bulwark. In Fortitude, a book essentially about courage and face of adversity, Crenshaw demonstrates that the values instilled in him as a seal that he believes will save the country apply to everything except his own political career. And every liberal journalist came on board. Ends reclined. This is devastating. Tom Nichols, a story Dan Crenshaw tells himself. Ben Smith, anti-anti-Trump politics have gotten so bizarre. Trump's name is mentioned but nine times, well, like the media is mentioned nine times in the first eight pages alone. Sonny McFunnyface, a Democratic mayor in New York City, is issuing statements about Jews so awful that even congressional Democrats are backing away from him. So Sykes, Charlie, and the Bulwarks are naturally all about this story about Dan Crenshaw. Charlie Sykes, Morning Shots newsletter, the stories Dan Crenshaw tells himself, what the polls say about reopening, a modest proposal for Twitter, the French-Mexicas debate, and shout out to Utopian Sinclair, Mike V. Is it just me or is the Bulwark really trying to make this Dan Crenshaw slam a thing? Tim Miller, I wrote about Dan Crenshaw's book, Fortitude, his recent vile defenses of Trump and his stories he tells himself. Enjoy. You know why they're doing it? Because he's probably the next candidate, and he will get elected. He's a rational, good person. 
So they're or this is supposed to be conservatives. They're already taking them down. They're going to try to play after this. Anybody that ever agreed with Trump ever, you have a scarlet letter. That's what they're going to try to play. Charm actress blames Trump every lie for grandfather's illness and death. Yeah, the president tweeted out another take of the Democrat talking point that he had referred to the pandemic as a host. As a grieve, Combs responded with fury, saying that her Trump-supporting grandfather caught the coronavirus and died. On April 27th, Combs tweeted, My grandfather died today, voted for you. He believed you when you said this virus is no worse than the flu and believed every lie you muttered and sputtered. He died today from COVID-19 one day after his 66th wedding for anniversary. You're a disgrace, disgrace to the human race. Combs never followed up a specific move a grandfather made that exposed the virus. Perhaps he just didn't take the threat as seriously should have because Trump was optimistic about the virus two months ago. Of course, it's no secret that the left will do anything to turn this pandemic and its ensuing death toll into blight on Trump's record. Her other tweets, zero tolerance for Trumpers. Zero. Take it to someone else's timeline. Not today, Satan. Trumpers. A Minnesota weatherman is out of a job shortly after he reposted a comment from a local rabbi that compared protesters who want the economy to reopen so they can go back to work to Nazis. Sven Sungard was a meteorologist for NBC affiliate Care TV in Minnesota until last week. The station cited continued violation of its news ethics policy and others as the reason for the firing. Fox News reported, due to continued violations of CARE 11's news ethics and other policies, we made the decision to part ways with Sven Sungard, the station posted on Facebook. We hope you continue to turn to CARE 11 for your news, traffic, weather, and more. The outlet did not specifically say the Nazi comparison led to his firing, but it had something to do with it. Sungard had reposted an online message attributed to Rabbi Michael Adam Latz, which described lockdown protesters as white nationalists, Nazi sympathizer, gun fetish miscreants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ian Milheiser, it's evil that Wyoming gets the same number of senators as California, and it never stops being bizarre that Americans just quietly live with this moral tragedy. I think they're scared about November because I'm seeing a lot of this, which is propaganda. Which brings me to COVID propaganda. Twitter allows Chinese COVID propaganda video to blame America for the whole virus. But NBC said, hold my fucking beer. They went to the airwaves with theirs. The pandemic has spiked tensions between China and the U.S., with each side accusing the other of downplaying the virus. President Trump now calling for an investigation. It should have been stopped at the source, which was China. But China argues the pandemic is now politicized. A foreign ministry spokesperson even saying politicians in the U.S. are, quote, lying through their teeth. China is now mounting an all-out campaign to quash criticism and shape how the world sees its response to the virus, at times raising its own theories linking the virus to the U.S. military, and official Twitter feeds questioning U.S. transparency about its case numbers. The numbers, I think, only point to the effectiveness of China's response efforts. They show China's experience, not China covering up. Since the outbreak started, China has been criticized for withholding information and suppressing whistleblowers. But the government here claims there was enough time to act between the lockdown of Wuhan and the state of emergency in the U.S. 
The U.S. government should be aware of what was going on in the world. But in this 50-day interval, what was the U.S. government doing? Where have those 50 days gone? It's sad when American media would rather side with China than our own country. I mean, they're even pushing for what a 1902 coal strike tells us about essential workers today, and they're suggesting they all should fucking go on strike and do walkouts. Just not to go back to work. I mean, never mind that if that happened, we'd all be fucked. You wouldn't have food. You wouldn't have anything. It, it would do a national. I mean, there'd be fucking move. There'd be riots. It would be horrible. But I think that's what they want. And the media won't run with the facts. Strongly favor opening the economy 24%. Somewhat favor 27%. Somewhat oppose 22%. Strongly oppose 16%. Only 38% of the country is against reopening. It's a plurality. But all you're going to hear is first this Matt in Oregon soundbite about their the guns when people did protests and saw guns they all want to grab the guns and the media just doesn't want this lockdown to ever end effective immediately it is no longer permitted to buy sell transport import or use military grade assault weapons in this country to protect law-abiding gun owners from criminal liability until they can take steps to comply with this new law, there will be a two-year amnesty period, and we will legislate fair compensation. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what happens when you don't have a constitutionally protected right. One man can unilaterally make a decision about how you choose to protect your life without your input. This is the same man whose government, whose laws failed to stop a teeth maker from illegally acquiring firearms and then killing 22 people. Right now, Trudeau and the entire Canadian government should be apologizing to the people of Nova Scotia because they failed to protect the people that depended on them for their safety. Instead of taking responsibility for the failure of the government like a true leader should, he's blaming it all on a tool that we don't even know was used. If an AR-15 was used, trust and believe that they would be parading this detail nonstop. This guy didn't even get the guns from Canada. He smuggled them in from another country. And when a cop did arrive, he killed the poor woman and took her gun. Is Trudeau going to ban cops from having guns so that criminals can't take them from cops now? The type of gun had nothing to do with this. He killed nine of the 22 people with fire. He went door to door and shot the others. He didn't need an AR-15 to do this. He could have easily done this with a shotgun or a handgun. Hell, he might have actually did use a handgun, but we don't know because they won't tell us. This is a power grab. This has nothing to do with safety. Trudeau is using the failure of the existing gun laws to justify implementing more gun laws that wouldn't have even stopped this from happening in the first place, but yet he's using this shooting to push for more laws. And no, you can't just say, oh, he's just trying to ban the military-style gun. He even admits he'll be looking to do the same thing with handguns. Prime Minister, regarding the new gun measures, can you confirm if you plan to ban all military, or sorry, all automatic rifles, and why not look at banning handguns? They are causing more deaths in Canada every year. Um, today we're moving forward with a ban on military-style assault weapons. Uh, we have uh, established criteria that cover about 1,500 models and variants of those guns that are uh, in Canada or available uh, to Canadians. Uh, this will make sure that uh, we uh, have safer communities as of uh, today and in the months and years to come. Uh, 
At the same time, there is more to do on strengthening gun control. We made significant commitments to Canadians back in 2015 and moved forward on, on them uh, in the last mandate. And we're continuing to move forward on the commitments to strengthen gun uh, control in this country, including uh, allowing cities and municipalities the ability uh, to restrict the use of handguns. Uh, these are things that we will move forward on uh, in the coming months uh, as uh, the Parliament... But after all that, here's the kicker. He's going to confiscate the people of Canada's guns and make them pay for it. Where do you think they're going to get the money to pay for all the buybacks? Taxes. A buyback is nothing more than the government using the money the people paid in taxes to buy back the people's guns at a much lower price than what the people paid for them in the first place. And after this, all they have to do is increase the tax rate for the amount they spent on the buyback and the money the people were paid for their guns will go right back to the government. Come to think of it as brilliant if you're a tyrant. And here's the beautiful thing for all you Americans who love the idea of a gun registration and say it'll never be used to confiscate guns. All of the guns that are now banned are all guns that are required to be registered in Canada. So the government knows exactly where to go to take the guns if they don't sell them back. The people of America need to wake up and pay attention. Canada was gifted their independence, which means it can be taken back. The U.S., on the other hand, fought for its independence. So we know firsthand the dangers of unilateral oppression. And because of this, they enshrined our right to bear arms in our Constitution to prevent what Trudeau is unilaterally doing in Canada right now. Yet, we still have people willing to simply give away these rights in the name of fake safety. For crying out loud, people, stop doing this because it's not worth it. Right now, there's a culture war against the Second Amendment, which is why I need your help spreading our message to counter their message. You can help do this by leaving a comment, sharing this video, and clicking the bell and subscribe button. Let my voice be your voice, and let them know you want to keep America tactical, because the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed wasn't a suggestion, it was a directive. Also, if you're wondering where to purchase your AR-15s are essential, I will not comply. I am the militia. I lost all my guns in a boating accident. And your state-specific Keep America Tactical shirt? Click the link next to my head or the link in the description section. Or if you're watching this on a mobile device, tap the small triangle on the lower right-hand side of this video and click the link in the description. I leave for three hours and everything falls apart. Shucks. Where were you? Where did you go? You bought a gun. Are what? you kidding me? I borrowed a gun from you, my mom. You got a mom gun? It's a... was my dad's gun. It's a dad gun to protect us. Ugh. Felix, you know that having a gun makes you more likely to be the victim of gun, gun violence. Yes, I do know that, but... Makes me feel safe, okay? You are not having a gun in this building. I have to put it somewhere. Well, then I don't wear it. Where do you keep it? Well, wait, wait, wait. Put it in the truck. I'll show you where. The GDP, that's the broadest measure of the nation's output, fell for the first time in six years. CBS's Weijia Zhang is at the White House tonight. Weijia? And our President Trump is brushing off those numbers, saying he can feel a pent-up demand to stimulate the economy, so he's looking ahead to the fourth quarter. In an effort to get back to business, the President said today those federal social distancing guidelines will be faded out when they expire tomorrow. And President Trump offered an optimistic forecast for the U.S. economy. We had the best economy ever. 
and we're going to have it again. But that does not match the dire conditions on the ground. The GDP's first quarter drop was the sharpest since the Great Recession, and the second quarter could see a record 40% plunge. Today, Boeing announced it will slash 10% of its workforce and cut back on making jets, while Hertz is preparing for possible bankruptcy after failing to make lease payments. Consumer confidence and spending also plummeted. Ray Washburn owns several restaurants in the Dallas area and serves on President Trump's reopening task force. He says some staffers are ditching their jobs to continue collecting unemployment benefits, which amount to double their salary. And I was just curious, where do you think the moment that we find ourselves in right now will find itself in history? It will be huge. It's unprecedented. Uh, It will be up there with discussions of the Depression, of the Civil War, of uh, obviously the Second World War. It was the kind of togetherness that was necessary to 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 do that, the subsuming of what I want, individual freedom, to the larger what we need, the collective freedom that, that uh, has always gotten us through tough times. We have an opportunity with this crisis to reset, to get away from the kind of knee-jerk divisions, the idea that it's easier to arouse a mob than it is to appeal to our better angels. And we're seeing people realizing the central role that government has always played in our life. It's been very easy over the last several decades to just knee-jerk, you know, bash government. But I know we now see that government becomes the focal point, the fulcrum to help us get through these crises. And the, and the, the fact that we can shed the labels of red state or blue state, uh, you know, uh, Democrat, Republican, will be central to our solving the problem. And hopefully we don't then just go back to the old ways, that we really have an opportunity to reset and to be open uh, to the possibilities of real fundamental change and to shed what has been, you know, several decades of just horrific division. In the age of social distancing, it was a shocking sight. Thousands of mourners in Brooklyn at a rabbi's funeral. You are putting my cops' lives at risk, and it's unacceptable. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says he's instructing the NYPD to cite or arrest anyone who disobeys a social distancing order. No, it's not like people gathering in the park. It was thousands of people. More images are also surfacing of the homeless sleeping on New York's subway system. The governor is now asking the transit authority to disinfect every train every night. It's disrespectful to the essential workers who need to ride the subway system. From beaches in California to this house party in Chicago, local governments are struggling to crack down on social distancing orders. New York State recently raised the maximum fine to $1,000. Now some towns in Massachusetts are doing the same for face coverings. What authority do these cities have to really enforce social distancing? The most important authority that any community has is moral authority. Understanding that by distancing, not only are you protecting yourself, but others. Official Democrat Twitter account, the Democrats. It's simple. Trust the science. Trust medical experts. We need more tests before we can open. Victor Tango Kilo. Trust the medical experts who have been absolutely wrong about everything up until this point.
Trust the politicians who are loving every moment of this power trip. Bambino45, just so everyone understands, these people are extremely desperate to impose economic Armageddon on the American people in order to try to win an election and impose a radical agenda. Just in case it wasn't always already obvious, if a Democrat wins the presidential election in November, that would likely cause the Dems to declare it's time to reopen the economy. Nothing short of that will suffice. I mean, I never covered Virginia because they're... There isn't as any guidelines. They just arbitrarily put up two years. We're going to phase open two years until there is a shot. Until you have a fucking vaccine, they're not opening. That's their plan. And then you have a state like Washington, which is totally stable. Governor Jay Inslee has extended the Washington stay-at-home order through May 31st. The problem is is that we really need to, as leaders, make decisions looking forward to where this is going rather than what it is today. We might have a 1,000 people infected today in Washington, but this doubles every week in an epidemic like this. And so seven weeks from now, we might have 60,000 people plus infected. So the decisions we're making today, I think, are good ones. And building up the stock of, of stockpile we need, we're getting, we are getting some assistance from the federal government. We appreciate that. We've made some orders for stockpiles. They are coming in. But over time, all of us are going to have to ex- uh, expand our capacity to fight this, uh, this virus. Oregon, which is flatlined. Same thing. May, end of May. We're not doing shit till the end of May. We're just going to sit here in our homes and do nothing. And, and it just, isn't based on anything but politics. It's still the same thing. The only states are the Northeast. The country has 1,161,109 cases and 67,448 deaths, which is, I I, I labeled that wrong. It was a fucking uh, funeral home guy says it's all bullshit. But New York has almost 320,000 cases. New Jersey, 123,714. So basically 124,000. Massachusetts, 66,000. Illinois, 58. Uh, California got 64 cases overnight. That's it. They're at 53. Pennsylvania, 50. Michigan, 43. Not much more in the last podcast. Florida, 35. Texas, 31. Connecticut, 29. Louisiana, 29. Georgia, 28. We're number 20 with 12,661. But you look at Washington. Um, let's get down here. They're way at the bottom, I think. It's so hard to read this fucking graph. And I don't even know if it's true, but Oregon only has 2,635. Only 100 deaths. But they're going to stay closed because of politics. And then Colorado, which opened at 16,225. Nobody's talking about that. Where the fuck is Washington State? 15,512. 15,512. But they're going to stay closed because of politics. They're just... It, it's all politics now. Here's a guy who runs a pack. D 
Daniel Ulfelder, a lawyer and founder of the Make My Day Pack that raises money for Dems and has a message of how dangerous is it to open the Florida beach. He went down there. Clay Travis, this is amazing. It's pretty warm here today on the beach. Would be hysterical if the Grim Reaper passed out because he wore too many dark layers. And this guy is down there. I am live on the beaches today in Florida urging Floridians to stay home and save lives. He's wearing a Grim Reaper suit. China is lying. Note that this genius is pulling the stunt on the New York, isn't pulling the stunt on the New York City subway system because he'd get sick. Adam Park Hominican. This is attorney W. D.W. Ufelder Law, the same attorney Mike Huckabee filed a false bar complaint against as part of the Grim Reaper campaign. He's raising $20,000 for Democrats running for office in 2020. You can support his efforts directly here. His problem, however, is that Florida hasn't been a, hasn't seen a spike in cases in Duval County, which prompted outrage two weeks ago. It has now been 14 days since Duval opened beaches on 417. There are 990 cases in Duval. Today on 5-1, there's 1025. So in 14 days, 35 cases. Clearly opening the beach was just fine. The Hill, attorney suing Florida, plans to dress as Grim Reaper to scare people away from the beaches. And because he's a damn and he's running for it, they're giving him airtime. Taking all these photos on the beach of the Grim Reaper sickle and shit. Looking like an idiot. But all these places is open, but all they're covering is serious, it's the liberal shit, black people, or they had guns in Michigan. And here's the Atlantic. Georgia's most vulnerable residents are being offered up as guinea pigs for governors across America are eager to see what happens when you send people back to work in a pandemic, writes Amanda Mole, Sean T. at RCP. To be clear about something, almost every comparison to the seasonal flu with this virus is wrongheaded, save for one, and is the one that a lot of people are tripping over to respond to here. The notion that balancing lives in the economy here is quietly immoral. Because you make those human sacrifices every year, we could more or less eradicate seasonal flu, which kills a lot of people, though probably an order of magnitude less than COVID-19 by shutting down every winter. We don't. Because we conclude that we can sacrifice 20 to 60K people, including children, to have a functional economy and society. And over the course of our lifetimes, those annual sacrifices probably will outnumber deaths from COVID-19. Maybe over the course of a decade depending on the final fatality rate estimated for COVID. So look, I personally think Georgia's getting a bit over its skis opening up its economy. There's a significant chance it's getting getting the cost-benefit wrong. But don't pretend the cost-benefit itself is evil unless you're willing to take some pretty extreme stances every year. Other people... To be fair, Georgia was one of the states that was cited, I forgot by who right now, as still worsening, but they're also the first state to reopen. The headline is brazen, but it does seem like a pretty nutty gamble. Sean T. at RCP, I think Georgia probably made a mistake. But good Lord, Tammy Bruce, the liberal panic at the notion of getting back to work has reached peak freak. They believe they can only win with more suffering and pain. What an ugly way to be. Another one, this is fear porn addiction. The witch doctors have been right. Another guy, they can stay home. I have a restaurant. My employees have the option to come back to work or stay home. When they feel safe, I'll have a job waiting for them. I do not have a luxury of staying closed. If I was closed much longer, there'd be no restaurant for them. 
Will this take age as badly as Florida shoes early lockdown is destined to become Italy in a matter of weeks? And then the world, but not Colorado's vulnerable residents. Nobody talks about Colorado. What about Colorado doing the same thing? Interesting you're choosing solely to focus on a red state. Odd. We've never heard these types of stories about Colorado. Almost as though you have a Democratic governor, everyone is basically okay with it. I'm not reading the article. I plan to, but I'm not going to. This is just bullshit. And there's proof. Experts surprised to find no evidence of COVID-19 spike from Wisconsin in-person voting because they social distance and did the right thing. This is the difference between free freedom and authoritarianism. Yesterday, I got to admit, I walked around and I just thought, what the fuck is wrong with everybody? Nobody's wearing masks. People are just fucking... It was like a normal day, and we just reopened. Just reopened. But then I said, well, freedom. This is what our country's based on. If you don't think it's serious, and there are people that have never thought this was serious. They've never taken it serious. They've never wore masks. They've just done whatever the fuck they went on with their normal life. And guess what? They have the right to do that. Who is it to us to tell them they can't do it? I chose to wear gloves. I chose to have my mask. I deconned. Who knows? Maybe I'll still get it, even though I've taken it serious. But you can't keep people locked in their house forever because you want to. And then the big thing was that some people carried guns to another Michigan protest and they lost their shit. These are replies online. Protests move inside Michigan Capitol. Crowd attempts to get on the House floor. Lots of Michigan State Police. House Sergeant of Arms blocking door. Here's the reality. Every one of them were screened before they walked in there. Nobody put that out. They got checked for temperatures. Um, what the fuck? Not what we do in America. Multiple armed gunmen store Michigan State House. State police are protecting Governor Whitmer and blocking the gunman from gaining access to the House floor. No more bullshit about protecting 2A. Arrest them. This is not protesting. This is terrorism. Armed protesters inside the Michigan State House are screaming, Heil Whitmer, according to media. Black people get executed by police for just existing, while white people dressed like militia members carry assault weapons are allowed to threaten the state legislator and staff. Our gun lines are so broken, Rashida Tlaib. Inside the Michigan Capitol right now, only pictures of the person with a gun. Would officers show this much restraint of black men were yelling in their face? I seriously doubt it. Wait, hell no, Marcus Evans, the race bitter. I remember Ferguson. There was all sorts of evil shit being shot in a police face. They said to take it. It's not a peaceful protest where one side brings heavily armed vigilante force with them. That's fear. This is intimidation. That's unacceptable. Guns down America. Oh, you don't have a... Uh, point. Yeah, okay. At what point can we call the armed non-PPE wearing protesters the Storm Michigan Capitol terrorist? Are we are are we are likely hours is not minutes from Trump calling these angry white protesters arms with semi-automatic guns and no masks or social distancing very fine people 
In 24 hours, 2,390 Americans died from COVID. 30,000 new cases yesterday. As of an hour ago, 63,500 had died in the last eight weeks. Do Michigan protesters care? No. When was the last time you ever saw Democrats with arms arms protesting like this? Lori Black. Uh I'm going to play some shit in a second. There's been plenty of protests. As a man identifies as both black and Muslim, I can guarantee that if I walked up into a state building armed to the teeth with a gripe, my black Muslim ass would be shot. Okay. Brooklyn dad defiant. We've covered that guy before. We just covered that guy. But nobody talked that they were screened. Nobody talked about that. This guy's here. They all didn't, Chunk Unger, Daniel Day, Andrew Weinstein, Bishop Twanson, Anton Enos, they all played the, the Pamela Keith Palmer report. If you're armed, you storm a government building, you're not a protester, you're domestic terrorists in the midst of carrying out a terrorist attack. Law enforcement has legal responsibility to treat you as such. Caitlin Burns, hi. So I'm seeing a lot of people saying armed protesters storm in the Michigan Capitol yesterday, but I feel the language is incorrect. Open carry is allowed in the building, and police let the protesters in. It wasn't an armed takeover, and there was no storming. Now, just you wait a minute, moment, Caitlin. You're trying to suggest that people bring guns into a building where it was legal to bring guns, didn't so legally? They are terrorists. They storm buildings. Well, after they filed in calmly and after they submitted a temperature check. But none of that went out. Nobody fucking covered that. They stormed. Leon Hendricks. Officers took protest temperature as they entered the Capitol building in Lansing. Being granted permission to enter in limited amount after waiting to have their temperature checked now constitutes as storming in the minds of our media complex. Where we petty and shallow types here on this side, we might point out that it sure appears the press saw the protest and pounced on a chance to call it storming and call them terrorists. Because it was all a fucking lie. And what the media won't talk about is all the other protests. Huntington, Illinois, multiple. New York City, multiple. New Jersey, multiple. And they sounded like this.
It's all a sham. They didn't storm. They're allowed to do it. Guns down America. They knew it, but they kept going. It's not a peaceful protest. One side brings heavily armed vigilante force with them. That's fear. It's invitation. That's unacceptable. Um, anyone charged with serving the peace, that's how you can tell if it's a peaceful protest. At what point can we call the armed, non-PPE-wearing protesters uh, terrorists? That's terrorism. That's terrorism. Domestic terrorism. I think the words you're looking for is terrorism. Michigan protests. Heavily armed people storming a government building on attack. Not a protest. It's all very least an act of intimidation. It's not terrorism. Um, it goes on and on. This is like a, a definition of what I just read, so I guess I'm doubling down. It's a totally different article. National Guard duty, tear, gun, and arrest them. Remove their weapons with jail sentence of insurrection and sedition. They should all be arrested. Trump, mega, and NRA own this. Arrest them all. Um, who do you think house up? to arrest you when you go inside to play with your kids. Hint, it's people with guns. Let your daughter play at the neighbor's house. And yes, people with guns will show up. This video is literally the definition of peaceful. I find it perfectly acceptable. And somebody in here, shoot every one of them. So my question is, since we're just, hypocrisy is the theme today of this whole podcast. Should we have shot these people? Burning cars and smashed windows. A small group of protesters dressed in black, their faces covered, armed with hammers and bricks. Facing off with thousands of officers on site, many in riot gear, confronting them with flashbang grenades and pepper spray. All of a sudden, the police officers started to spray pepper spray and they got our audio technician. They're going to see us running because they're going to throw more flashbangs. The chaotic scene just blocks outside the secure area of the inauguration and parade route. I personally have anti-establishment slants, but I don't think that this is anything that I want to be a This checkpoint is closed! Before the swearing-in ceremony even began, protesters tried to block checkpoint entrances. During President Trump's speech, several demonstrators were escorted out of the area. Several officers injured during the protest today and more than a hundred people arrested. Once the inaugural parade began, the newly sworn in president facing thousands of peaceful protesters amongst his supporters. NBC's Stephanie Gosk was with him all day. When Donald Trump took the oath of office, the people here sang, we shall overcome. Resist from day one! Similar demonstrations across the country. Arrest outside Trump Tower, New York City. A human chain across San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. From Phoenix to Houston to Chicago, people protesting the country's new president on his first day in office. Tonight, thousands of protesters remain in downtown D.C., occasionally facing off with police. We have seen many people injured, both protesters and police officers. And tomorrow, D.C. police are preparing for a women's march on Washington. Organizers of that march say they expect a couple hundred thousand people. Lester? Jacob Rascone here in D.C. tonight. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. 
terrifying night of violence as Donald Trump supporters were attacked by an angry mob waiting for them outside a Trump rally. It happened in San Jose. As the crowd headed home, they were set upon. A young woman tried to take them on, proudly showing off her Trump shirt. She's tagging them on. Then it turned scary. She's hit in the face with watermelon and raw eggs. Oh my God! She finds herself all alone and cornered. The crowd screaming obscenities, and no one came to her aid. Not even the cops. Finally, she gets back inside and finds sanctuary. I was so scared watching this video, afraid for what was going to happen next to this young lady. And why were the police officers holding the doors and not grabbing her and pulling her inside? Headlines this morning say people leaving the rally were hunted and chased down like prey. Watch as this young man runs for his life. He's caught and knocked down. Look at the fear in his face as he attempts to flee. Another fistfight's about to break out right now. Trump supporter is getting pummeled right now. This guy's build the wall t-shirt was ripped off his back. Then he's knocked and punched by six men. Run! Get the hell out of here! That's a reporter you hear telling him to flee. Seven more people just come in start punching me. The mob even followed the Trump supporters to their cars. Inside a parking garage, the assaults continued. An SUV was rocked and taillights were snatched. I'm telling you, and I'm warning you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I have to say here. This is going to be the most intense election we've ever had. Everybody's got to cool down, cool it. It must be condemned by Trump. It must be condemned by Clinton. If you are throwing stuff or intimidating stuff or hitting someone, you are not for me. You are against me. I don't know. Should we have arrested them? I think we should have. They were storming all sorts of shit. You had no problem with it. Not of you. You were good with all of it. You said it was peaceful grassroots. The woman march. They said they wanted to blow up the White House. Grassroots. I mean, they don't even understand math. Because the media just rolls everything. It's unfactual. It's fake. That whole protest we just proved was totally fake. Nobody stormed anything, but that's what went out. Um, I switched to uh, four public publications called Georgia Death Trap and an Experiment in Human Sacrifice. After Republican Brian Kemp decided to allow a place like bowling alleys, tattoo parlors, barbershops, blah, 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 blah. Oddly, no one seemed to write similar pieces about Democratic Governor Jared Polis in Colorado, which also rolled out that reopening a number of businesses. Republican pollster Patrick Ruffini decided to look at some other states that have praised or criticized for the response. Patrick Ruffini. California did everything right, shutting down the state before it needed to. Deaths per 100,000, five. Florida and Texas did everything wrong, acting too late, leaving beaches open. Death per 100,000, Florida, six. Texas, three. That prompted Scott Adams to potter something. What if all that matters to the coronavirus death rate is the number of elevators, subways, or nursing homes in your state? It's starting to look that way. Michael Coleman Average death age, Texas 34.3, California 36.1, Florida 41.8. Eric Bridge, lots of nursing homes in Florida. Governor there mobilized the National Guard to protect nursing homes. California New York yet to do anything to protect nursing homes. 
those are at least important factors as in density in general, demographics, pre-existing conditions, and even state and local leadership. New York population density is 26,403 per square mile. Add commuter trains and buses. As someone who has spent years commuting on Boston subways, this is what I've been thinking for quite for some now, some time now. If you were commissioned to come up with the most effective disease-spreading machine, you'd be hard-pressed to do better than a subway. New York Andrew Cuomo just announced that New York City will disinfect the subway every night. Great question. What if we simply handled assisted living centers much better than we have? What if mass transit was closed rather, rather than everything? David clearly, thank God Californians have rejected public transportation, saved many lives. Good thing California never finished the 90 billion train. I know it's the same pattern about the 1st of April, but it's really difficult to pull the data into a single place for analysis. Clearly, though, the public transportation and communal living are correlated with infections and death. Turns out the wisdom of suburbanization proves not only to be a model for stronger families, but healthier people. And they show the death death rates, underlying conditions, no underlying conditions, underlying conditions unknown, total. And when you break these down, and I don't know what this was for, it's underlying conditions across the board. Age. Paul McClellahan, a simple correlation analysis might look at population density and death rate. I would predict a very high correlation. I'm sure when the smoke clears, the researchers will look at the plus age, race, rates of comorbidity, and other factors. Yes, but California didn't cover up for skate parks in time. I think that is the difference. I blame the paddle boarders. Another person. I think this crap is less about death rate and more about people at all levels of society finally getting their chance to bully other people and the large percentage of people are much happier when they're told what to do. <laughs> I agree. Carl L. Marr. Opening up the economy isn't letting people die. It's just a recognition that by preventing the medical system from being overwhelmed, we've already achieved the best we could. We can't do any better. Without a cure, which is 12 to 18 months out, or never too long. But we don't get into the little facts. We don't look into this stuff. Right now in New York, they're just threatening. NYPD won't tolerate outside gatherings, social distancing violations during nice weather this weekend. De Blasio, wear a mask and stay six feet away from other people during the nice weather this weekend or find yourself with a summons. 1,000 cops will be forcing de Blasio's no tolerance for gathering forecast highs of 70 on Saturday. Sunday present a danger if cooped up New Yorker residents venture outside without masks, crowd public spaces, and ignore social distancing. The nice weather is very much a threat to us. There's nothing wrong with going out and getting some exercise, but going back home. They are just into this. They love the power They love the ability to tell everybody what the fuck to do. But nobody's gone down into, well, if this is the case, and Georgia's Satan, what about fucking New York? What about fucking New Jersey? Except for a few rare journalists and fucking PBS finally called out Dems
on the vir on the virus. So we're gonna play pushback finally, and another soundbite on the fish tank cleaner lies and go into our lighter fare. Mark Conkle with the patch says, where's the first lady? Is she accompanied by a state security detail? Has she engaged in non-essential travel? What is your response to people who say the stay-at-home order and non-essential travel bans aren't being abided by your family? I believe there's a report from Illinois Rising Action that says that she recently traveled to Florida. Well, first of all, I want to say that in politics, it used to be that we kept our families out of it. You know, my official duties have nothing to do with my family. So I'm just not going to answer that question. It's inappropriate, and I find it reprehensible, honestly, that that uh, that reporter wrote a story about it. Okay. The, the, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, came under some criticism for going to the gym right before he, as just as he was urging other people to stop going to the gym. I mean, you might think, oh, that's kind of petty. Everybody's, you know, everybody wants to do what they want. But why does something like that matter? It matters enormously because the consistency in messaging is key to persuading people what to do. You know, in a moment of panic, when someone's asking you to do something like stay in your house, what you're saying is like, A, I want to find an excuse to ignore them, and B, I want to understand what's going on. And so if, for instance, as in this case, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York State says, I'm going to close down all the gyms, and then Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City asks his driver to take him to a gym that's nine miles away so he can work out, to the average viewer, they're saying, I, who am I supposed to listen to? Am I supposed to be like the mayor and go outside, or am I supposed to listen to the governor and stay inside? Anytime you have any conflicting information, particularly in an emergency, when people are scared and they don't know what to listen to, it's really, really dangerous. You can't have these distractions during a pandemic. They become deadly. What about Governor Cuomo? Well, initially, Governor Cuomo, similar to Mayor de Blasio, was saying, look, you don't need to be concerned about this. Like, their instinct is to reduce panic, which is usually a pretty good instinct. It's just not the right instinct in a pandemic. And now, I will say, both of them, compared to, say, federal leaders, did get on the horse pretty quickly and start saying, look, this is something to take seriously. We need to be concerned about this. But... Those four or five lost days matter a lot. Dr. Tom Frieden, who used to be a commissioner of mm -hmm. public health in New York and, and was the, the director of the central, the CDC, he actually estimates that if New York had moved about 10 days faster to shut things down, we would have seen 50 to 80% fewer fatalities in New York. And that's, that's remarkable. Wait, 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 that's remarkable. You're saying that just those couple of days, maybe a week could have saved thousands of lives? Absolutely. Remember when the media ran wild with this story and then they blamed President Trump for an Arizona man's death? In late March, an Arizona couple heard the president talking about hydroxychloroquine and they decided to ingest a fish tank cleaner. Donald Trump's supporters believe him. There was a couple that drank cleaning fluid from the fish tank. They had it laying around for cleaning their fish tank and they took it and the husband died. That's just despicable. <laughs> the Ingram Angle can confirm tonight that the Mesa County Police Department's Homicide Division is now investigating that man's death. I think this was like dominating the news for two days. Because if they could tag Trump with someone's death due to hydroxychloroquine, they were going to do it come hell or fish tank water. <laughs> and that's what they tried to do here. Unbelievable. But you kind of put two and two together. 
Well, the early reports on the case sounded odd, so we started kind of digging into it and seeing what we could find. Um, and we found that the man's wife was actually a big Democratic donor. Um, she had given thousands of dollars to Democratic causes and candidates over the last few years, um, including most recently a pro-science resistance pact. Um, so this raised some questions about mm. her claim that she was going, you know, it was, was she acting on Trump's advice here? Um, and also we found evidence that uh, Gary Lenius was a very intelligent guy. He was a retired engineer. Mm. Um, friends said they just found this out of character. Uh, there were also court records that showed that his wife had been previously charged with a domestic violence against him. <laughs> okay, so this is, again, we, I, I love featuring reporters like Alana, because you're, you're frankly doing the work that real journalists used to do, and you stand as a testament to what can still be done if people have a little curiosity, a little common sense, and a little follow you know, I misspoke because I, I think I want to change up the podcast and go straight into This Is America and then do the lighter fare because it seems a little more positive. But I went upstairs to get a monster and my wife was awake and she was watching TV and she literally said, and I will search all day if I have to to find this, Cokie Roberts was on TV. I can't find the soundbite right now. And she said Republicans are more likely to ignore government orders and walk around without masks and ignore social distancing and everything, according to a poll. But once again, that doesn't correlate to actually what's happening. Right? It's just not there. There's, the numbers don't say that at all. But her premise is that Republicans ignore government. That's what we do. <clears throat> the party that only applies laws that they want to apply on immigration and everything else is now saying we ignore the government. Hmm. So our This is America today <clears throat> will be a Don, a Don Lemon soundbite and a Tucker soundbite thrashing Brooke Baldwin. But before we get to it, Nancy Pelosi on Friday said the next coronavirus relief package should provide guaranteed monthly income to illegals. They're still pushing for this. It's almost criminal. But the worst is John Roberts. <clears throat> well, it's tied. Two articles. John Roberts. A senior intelligence source tells me there is agreement amongst most of the 17 worldwide intelligence agencies that COVID-19 originated in Wuhan lab. The source stressed that the release is believed to be a mistake and was not intentional. Our media is not putting it out. <clears throat> Replies are what I would say. This was literally the exact question Trump was asked a couple days ago, whether he had been had seen evidence the virus originated at the lab, and NBC News and others insisted his answer was contradicting the DNI. It wasn't. Another, we went from news organizations labeling this a crazy conspiracy and attacking Tom Cotton for bringing up the possibility. And it's true. 
We reported that the first week on this show. Not because I'm some soothsayer or I'm linked to any intelligence. It's just common sense. If there's a bio lab in a city and a rare violence gets out, it probably has something to do with that lab. I mean, it doesn't take a fucking IQ above a potato to figure that out. But you're a conspiracy racist if that's what you think. Remember that. You're a racist. You're a piece of shit if you believe that. Then this beautiful fucking article just... Well, let's do this one first. Sorry. In response to the New York Times editorial board's suggestion that the DNC assemble an unbiased apolitical panel to inventory Biden's Senate paper, a DNC communication director, Exo Chetila Inz, whatever the fuck, calls this absurd suggestion on his face and argues Obama vetted Biden. So when Jesus, the Messiah, vets somebody, you can put it to bed. They're vetted. Yeah, okay. And then our great article that I keep hedging <laughs> to get to. Reporters share stories from political journos who would rather not cover another exhausting four years of Trump. To say the political media, D.C. White House reporter in particular, have an adversarial relationship with Trump and do a lot of water care for the DNC would be an understatement, but apparently not having a president to ask what he finds most enchanting about the job is some serious, tiring work. The Hollywood reporter noted in his story, Jeremy Barr, I don't know anybody who wants to do another four years of news cycle like this. I spoke with political journalists about the prospect of covering another exhausting four years of the Trump presidency, New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman told me, I don't set out to be permanent White House reporter, and I don't know what I actually logistically can do this for another four and eight years, no matter who it is. Haberman continued, but I didn't set out to be a permanent White House reporter, and I don't know that I actually logistically can do for another four years, no matter who it is. Do I think that burnout is a real factor? It's a factor for any White House. I do think that because of the accelerated speed of all this, I think there's a lot of people who might be exhausted by the first four years, because we were so busy reporting on smoking guns that weren't guns, nor were they smoking. This part's unintentionally hilarious, especially coming from CNN. A senior CNN producer tells a Hollywood reporter that network's journalists are not rooting against the president in November, but guessed they would welcome return to a more normal president in a company news cycle where we don't report anything. Basically, we're not rooting against Trump, but we would just prefer he lost. Peak CNN. One more. Another prominent White House reporter told, polled by the THR expressed uncertainty about whether they would be game for another four years. If the president's reelected, part of me would want to embark on something wildly different, the journalist says. As for reporters who would likely return to the hibernation they were in for eight years during Obama presidency, the Trump winning Trump whining, excuse me, speaks volumes. Fusilli Spock. Reporters do not currently enjoy reporting. Reporters did enjoy it when they were buddies with the newsmaker. Reporters believe they must now do reporting differently than when they reported on their buddies. 
You're saying the quiet part out loud. The fact that supposed journalists are saying this is the problem. If they feel this way, they're clearly too biased to report fairly. If you want the press to hold the power to account, vote Republican. Exhausting like firefighting? Freedom is exhausting work, guys. Remember the good old days of puff pieces and vacations under Obama. Ah, the good old days of preferred form of journalism. But at least one reporter would still be up to the task. Jeremy Barr. When asked about the prospect of covering Trump term, ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carr told me, I'm ready for anything. Because he wants to out Acosta. Acosta. Right on line with that is Lemon flip-flopping again, because now without the fucking briefing, what does CNN have to report on? I mean, they don't air it. They just report all day how bad Trump is. And as said, the Tucker Carlson soundbite. Bashing Baldwin. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Let me just uh, say something before I move on with what I had planned here. I've seen so many people out and about lately, not socially distancing, not wearing masks, not following the rules. This is not over. You may think it's over because if you if you actually pay attention to what's happening in Washington with this administration, not having the briefings, trying to pretending that this is over because they want to move on to other things. So not having those briefings, that's all part of the plan for you to think that this is over, that we have moved beyond this. People are still dying at alarming rates. Those quarantine orders that are given, they're still in, in, in place. They're still, they're still orders in most places. So don't get it twisted. Don't sit there and think that this is over because you've just, you've been in the house for a long time. That's not so. At the top of the hour, we told you about a California business owner called Juan Damaris. He was getting grilled on CNN, CNN yesterday after he dared to say he planned to reopen his barber shop, even if he was punished for it. He was lectured by someone with a guaranteed income, some airhead. Now, Damaris says he's already received a cease and desist order from the state of California, but he's continuing forward. Barbara Juan Damaris joins us tonight. Juan, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so you've well, received you a cease and desist order from the state of California. What's your reaction to that? Well, it's actually from the city of Vacaville. They came in here, the cops came in here today mm-hmm. and gave us a cease and desist order from the city of Vacaville. And, uh, Are you, know, you going to ab- just, abide by it? Uh, definitely I'm not. I'm going to um, continue working. I'm going to continue to stay open. My barbers are going to continue to work and they're going to continue to serve our community. What did you think, and I, I'm not just saying this because CNN is another channel, but I, I was really struck by the pompous lecture that you received from one of their anchors yesterday, someone who will not be out of work when you are out of work. What did, how did you feel about that? 
Well, you know, overall, um, she definitely had a, um, like she was somehow better than me tone. Um, I, I think she does, um, have a secure job. Her hair looked amazing. And, uh, I think she's not in the same boat as I am. Maybe we're all in the same storm together, but we're definitely not in the same boat. Um, I have barbers that are, are living day to day doing undercover garage cuts and unsanitary position, um, locations. When, when we, we're here in California in our, in our shop, we have the cleanest shop in town and we follow a lot of sanitary regulations. Yeah, I mean, we're not all in the same boat. That is absolutely right. So do you think that Vacaville, the authorities there, will try to prevent you from operating tomorrow? And do you expect customers? Well, we're fully booked. Um, we have a we have a full staff and we're fully booked. Everyone's still coming. Um, everyone's being extra generous um, with, um, you know, their pay. And we're, we're doing really well. We're happy to be back serving our community. We're happy to be back serving um first responders like we always have um and we're just going to continue to do it do i expect backville to come and cite me absolutely and they're going to they've said they're going to um you know i, I think that that there's no plan in place so i'm just going to be the the scapegoat for the city i i i can't resist asking you i mean they're trying to prevent you from working is is the city of vacaville paying your mortgage while you're not working are they helping your Absolutely. family eat while you're not working? Absolutely not. And you know what? There else is they're not doing is they're not they're not going to the um, building owners that where we release our our space from. They're not going to PG&E. They're not going to the you know the water department of their own city. And they, I, I just paid my city a Vacaville business license, and they didn't waive that for me either. Uh, it seems like there's little to no sympathy. Everyone's following suit with whatever the governor um, decides day to day, and um, Listen, they've had 45 days to get things back in order, to build up the PPP, to build up the, um, the immunities. And, and they still are talking about us being in phase four and it being August before we can make a living again. It's, it's very confusing to me that so many Americans are continuing to pay their taxes after how they've been treated by their government. One, I, good, you know, good luck tomorrow. Great to see well, you. Thank Thanks you. so much. Yes. We're in the same storm, but not the same boat. I think that is just really, really apropos of the times we live in. To our lighter fare, Jesse Kelly. Okay, I'm sorry to do this, but it's time to make a choice. You can choose one and only one favorite media gun moment, or you're welcome to respond one you think tops these four. Who's the champ? I believe these are rubber bullets. Can anyone confirm? They were earplugs. Let me expand this so I can actually... I got a dog who said it. Because if I don't dog who said it, I'm not doing my job as a podcaster. Because this is some fucking extreme, stupid shit. All right, I expanded. It was Ryan J. Kelly. I believe these are ro- rubber bullets. Can anyone confirm? Hashtag Ferguson. And they were foam earplugs. ABC 13 Houston. Bazooka among weapons found during raid at luxury condo near downtown Houston. It's a fucking shotgun. Gertz 
Huntsman shoots AR-15 and gets PTSD. New York Daily News. Shoot the fucking AR-15. That's really good. Possible modification. Chainsaw bayonet. (laughs) Bridget Bowman. This one just happened. A Capitol Police officer left a gun in a bathroom again. And not just any gun. A Glock. Which fires if the trigger is pulled. Big scoop from KT Uli McManus. God damn, I didn't know they made guns that fire when you pull the trigger. That's scary, man. Just scary. Then another article that came and just fell right into lighter fare. Secretary, most qualified candidate, email server in or shitter, Hillary Clinton, no makeup, no pantsuit, no problem. I've got the must-have accessory for spring. I'm wearing a mask and voting for my country, my community, and my grandchildren. Hashtag masking for a friend at pandemic action. She's standing in front of her house, but it looks like it's a concrete cell at first glance. Wearing all black, like Viet Cong pajamas. And a mask that says vote in very large letters. Ben Dominic launched a million memes. And oh, they came. I didn't know she was part of the VC. What is she, part of Al-Qaeda now? Wisconsin was written on her mask. WNBO, lies, red country election. Map was beautiful. Hannibal Lectern comparisons. Epstein didn't kill himself. I'm an apologist for men who abuse women. They're never going to find the bodies. Inmate number. (laughs) And basically (laughs) a billion others. And I just laughed my fucking ass off. Then we have two sound bites. One's just going to be music, I believe. It is a new CNN getting pile driven by Trump. It was so funny I laughed my ass off. And once again, I'm not a a Trump supporter, but god damn, that was funny the way they did it. They even had the CNN kind of articulate itself. And the other is, some weather person is from their house. They have a chicken in the house. But the problem is, they have a dog with the chicken, and it was go time during the weather. Dingus! The Donald is here, live, on Monday Night Raw. He's still here! And uh, Mr. Trump, not coming alone. Donald Trump is in a world he is not familiar with. This is not real estate. This is the WWE. Oh, no! Oh, I was thinking this beer! warmer air in through the inland valleys and the mountains and the deserts all of that rising you know what hold on sorry hey dolly 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 nope nope come here dolly come here right now sorry sorry that is um sorry 
<laughs> that would never have happened. All my animals are, sorry, my uh, dog was going after one of the chickens, but all is well now. Uh, I can't believe that just happened. Appar apologies. Um, they're all out of sorts because I'm home and they don't know what to do with themselves. Uh, all is well. So <laughs> weird. So anyway, the rising hot air in through the deserts, the mountains, I'm so sorry, in the, uh, the inland valleys. Again, that's pulling a lot of that low cloud from the beaches through the inland valleys. Sweet chicky. Huh? Oh, uh-oh. No, see, bad idea. Chicken walk into the kitchen, fly right up onto the burners. Mm, nope, not dinner time. I doing? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not good. Wait, no, not into the frying pan. You're making everything worse. No, okay. <laughs> Back outside, honey. And then lastly, we have the trailer for season one of bloodline and i gotta admit this series is good i always thought the greatest thing that happened to me was being born a rayburn Forty-five years ago this weekend me and my sally opened the doors to this place. sometimes you know something's coming I'd like to say a few words about my kids. You feel it in the air. There's Meg, my sunshine. You don't sleep at night. There's Kevin, my youngest son. The voice in your head's telling you that something is going to go terribly wrong. And of course, there's John, who decided to take care of the whole damn island. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Last but not least is my oldest, Danny. That's how I felt when my brother came home. Dan's like, no good will come of this. People can change. You can't. You got no idea what I have given into this place. So close. you've been doing but i'll find out why are you always so suspicious of your brother your life's not always going to be this perfect you know things happen to people the family they're the enemy Fucking asshole. they hate you man they always will i couldn't have known then where all this was going to end up Please don't judge us. We're not bad people. But we did a bad thing. Now, my wife watched this when it came out years ago, and she was just all into it. I watched a few episodes, but it's one of those ones that you got a bad person that you end up feeling bad for, and then you got the rest of the people that are the good people, but you end up fucking hating them. And it's a lot of flashbacks. But by mid of the first season, it starts crescendoing, and I don't want to spoil this one. I, I really challenge you to go watch it if you haven't watched it. It, it's on Netflix. It's really good. I just sat down and watched like six episodes yesterday. 
laying in bed, I watched it, and I was on the last one, but I started getting drowsy. So for like 25 minutes left in the show, I stopped. And then I woke up this morning, like I said, and I pushed play at 4 o'clock in the fucking morning, and I finished it so I could start season 2 today. Really well shot show. Second aspect, if you like Florida, man, this got a Florida feel. I mean, I, I can feel the heat, smell the salt. Um, going October 5th through 9th, or no, it's 5th through 8th, and going to stay at Pensacola Beach. Already paid for a room, super cheap, because <clears throat> out of the season, of course, they're sucking because they don't have any business, so um, I think I got 130, night, 130 a night right on the beach, the best hotel down there right on Fort Pickens Road. It's going to be magical, but this is a good series, so I, I try to do a review of a show each podcast if you're stuck at the house like we are or if you're in a lockdown for fucking ever like my bro in Oregon um yeah give it a go really good series well worth the watch so this wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast please feel free to share with your family and friends send comments to f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com fop podcast gmail.com get the show on soundcloud pocket static tune radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and pocket cast remember to check out the facebook page at fop podcast the twitter account at fop tony reed so today is uh sunday the third let's go with the friday 8 may year of our lord 2020 uh tomorrow i'll be on the lake wednesday i'll be around the lake and then Friday will be a good time to do a podcast. So we'll do a podcast Friday. And we're going to stay with this layout where we have a other than Corona up front. Maybe we'll just have news and social media up front next time. And then go into other and then end on Corona to try to change a pace because it is getting kind of boring. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Spend time with your freaking family. Stay safe out there. Once again, this is America. You have the right to not wear a mask. You have a right to wear a mask. You have a right to stay out of things. You have a right to go into things. I'm not kooky Roberts, which I will find that soundbite. But I believe you have the right to do what you want. It's called fucking freedom. There are people that have gone this entire virus without masks, gloves, didn't wash their hands, didn't get it. Because the numbers in most of this country where we're reopening isn't that bad. And with heat coming up sunlight and all things that are proven to be right well probably don't need to be as paranoid so i thank you all for listening had great numbers for the month of april and a great week a lot of listens this week so i hope you continue to listen and tune in friday for our next show as always take care
some fresh deer meat. But I hope your family's well. Hope them hands are clean. Any chance that you might have an extra AR-15. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors, social distancing. I meant that in like a metaphorical sense, not a literal sense, because if it came together, that would be the antithesis of what quarantine means. But good thing we have FaceTime because we can hang out and make dumb songs like this. And shout out to all the healthcare workers out there. And, and Tim, I really like that chorus. Let's hit that one more time. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine, waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine, wearing lights all like sun. 